Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we try to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently by watching each and every Sylvester Stallone movie. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keene, and today we're discussing ICU, a.k.a. Detox, released by DEJ Productions on September 20th, 2002. Also known as Universal. <laughs> well, it was released by DEJ Productions. It was produced by Universal. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Starring Sylvester Stallone, Tom Berenger, Charles S. Dutton, Sean Patrick Flannery, Christopher Fulford, Stephen Lang, Dina Meyer, Robert Patrick, Robert Prosky, Courtney B. Vance, Jeffrey Wright, and Chris Christopherson. Written by Ron L. Binkerhoff, excuse me, Brinkerhoff, based on the book Jitter Joint by Howard Swindle, directed by Jim Gillespie. <sighs> I wanted to get as many uh, of the cast in there as possible, well, just because there you, are a lot of people, like, a lot of familiar faces in this movie. Yeah, I mean, you should. And, you know, before we started recording, I did. I wouldn't say high hopes was was not the, the right phrase. I had hope. Just, I, don't, I don't know why. We already knew coming in that knew, this movie no. was shelved for years. It Universal would, made it, and they didn't want to release it, and they, they sold, sold it to this. some bargain basement DEJ Productions. I understand, but all I'm saying is that when I saw the list of actors in this, I'm like, all right, there's there's got to be something salvageable. There's going to be a performance. There's going to be something that I'm going to take away from this. And somehow, with the bar set as low as it was, I still tripped over that bar. I couldn't jump over the bar. And the actors had nothing to work with. I mean, uh, it's a mess. I'm going to start this off with a question. Is this the biggest mess of a script? of Anything you've seen, I think it's easily the biggest mess of anything we've done so far between Schwarzenegger and uh, so far Stallone. As far as like the way that the story plays out, yeah, like the, the plot, the, the, the plot, the script is incomprehensible, and the editing of what whatever was left. I mean, maybe it was comprehensible before editing. I don't know, but this thing just is a mess. Well, this movie is sort of a whodunit, uh, and it I'm wants go- to be. It wants to be. I'm going to point to another whodunit we covered on this podcast way near the beginning. I think sabotage is more of a mess when it comes to plot. You might be right there, but there is certainly more salvageable in that movie than this one. Yeah, sabotage is an interesting mess. This is not an interesting mess. This is just a mess. I wish you got a cowboy Arnold hat at the end of that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you, there's things. You got forty eight percent body fat. There's some. There's some nuggets in that. Yeah. There, there was nothing to mine in this movie. There's things to like about sabotage, but I do think the plot was a bigger mess that was being offset by other things that were actually interesting. And maybe that, that's probably the best example. I, I still think this this is more nonsensical. Well. I wonder if it sounds like maybe you dislike this movie more than me. I, I wish I really hated this movie. I don't hate it. Oh, my God. How do you not hate this movie? I, I don't like it. I just think it's dull and boring, and that's the worst sin for me for a movie. I wish I hated it, because then at least I'd have something more to talk about. I will say, you know, th- this episode, I'm guessing, will be a little shorter, because, you know, it, <laughs> it's... not a lot here. Yeah, this, this movie is so amorphous, and there's just not a lot to grab onto, and also, there's just been a lot of... Uh, I just didn't have a ton of time to prepare. There's been stuff going on, so... Expect a looser episode <laughs> oh, than normal, I think I, it's fair right. to say. All right, all right. The thing that uh, drove me crazy about this movie is it's it's a combination that I don't think ever works, and there's a lot of movies like this, and I don't think it's ever worked. It's a horror movie, and it's a whodunit. I don't think it works to combine those things. 
Because horror movies are, by their definition, visceral, and it's trying. Horror movies are supposed to induce an emotion. Are you? And whodunits are an inherently intellectual enterprise where you're trying to solve the case. And ah, uh, by Jove, I think I know who did it. They don't mix. And th- there's a lot of movies like this. The first final uh, Friday the Thirteenth is like this. Like Scream is like this. There's a lot of horror movies where it's like there's a killer out there. Who is it? It's like who cares? Just run away. I'm not going to spend my if I'm in danger of being murdered. I'm not going to spend time being like I think I have solved it. No, run away. What you know? Who cares? Who cares who the killer is? Someone's killing some people. That's all that matters. Well, I mean, the police care, and maybe well, that's the problem with this movie is though the intent or not intended, the targeted victims are the police, right? I mean, it's kind of an interesting premise. You could see how someone thought this was a good idea for a movie, and maybe the book is. Maybe it is interesting. The screen adaptation, not at all. Here, yeah. here's my question though. So. What portions of this do you think are a, a horror movie outside of maybe the first 10 minutes? Well, there's that, but I, it's it's structured like a slasher movie. It's a bunch of people in an isolated place, and they're being killed one by one. That's essentially the way a slasher movie is structured. Well, I mean, the, but there's good ex- I think there's some decent examples of those working. I, I don't remember how much... Where it's a whodunit, and it's yeah, a bunch of people being movie, killed? Yeah, because the movie Identity with John Cusack and a few others, I think that's a pretty good one. Oh, I remember really disliking that movie. Really? I, I don't remember much about it. Oh, I like Identity. All right, okay. So but isn't that like more that like a psychological thing? Isn't there some kind of yeah. psychological twist no, to it? there is. Yeah, yeah so it's it, not just who's killing people. There's more going on. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, have you... Have you Taking my advice and watch Bad Times at the El Royale? No, I've been meaning to watch it, but no. Killing me. That's more Pulp Fiction anyway, but it is, you know, people being killed one by one. But it's it's totally a crime story in Pulp Fiction, so that's not really a good example. There's, I think, some others out there. This does not work. Whether or not the concept of a slasher movie plus a whodunit could work, this just does not work at all. No. Well, if it is a horror movie, it's a horror movie with no scares. Not if it's a thriller, it's a thriller with no thrills. It's a whodunit where it doesn't matter who done it. No, none of the no matter what genre you put it in, no, it doesn't work. There, I mean, look, there's a reason why Universal buried it and does not want to take ownership of this. Oh thing. yeah, it makes total sense. So it seems like that also this is a point in time in movie history that there's a lot of the the whodunits. This reminded me, and I I haven't seen a lot of these, but it seemed like Ashley Judd had a bunch. Along came a spider. Yeah. Uh, oh. I had, I had I, I didn't write it down. There's there, there's a number of those that that's what this felt like it wanted to be. Yeah, this is definitely a trend of this time of like the voice pitched killer talking into the phone. I'm going to kill again. You know this. this yeah. is so late nineties, early two thousands. This it, thing. I, I think maybe the beginnings of it. And it's a far better crafted, far better script, better attitude. Seven seven. You know, Fincher seven seemed to start that kind of wave for a little while. Yeah, yeah. And there were a number of them. I, I, it's killing me that I can't. There were two, and it seemed like Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd were in both of them. Oh too. I, yeah, I think it's I know a long game of spider and something else. I'll, I'll find it. Was it? Uh, what's the? You can't be tried twice for the same. Double and uh, double jeopardy. Double jeopardy. Yeah, is that? that that one seemed like it had more of a crime twist to it. But there, there's another one. Kiss okay. the girls. Okay. That's yes. Yes. Kiss the girls. Then along came the spider. This feels like it, it was Universal saying, "Yeah, we need one of those." Yeah, but those are detective movies where there's a killer on the loose and cops I, are chasing after trying to catch the killer. I agree. This isn't that. This is set, this is structured more like a slasher movie where it's an isolated place. I think they wanted to take that and say, oh, we'll add the slasher element to it, and then right. that will be our version of this. Well, but the first 20 minutes of this movie is that. Like, that's the one of the other things about this movie is it's so awkwardly structured where 
the first 20 to 25 minutes is a cop movie and it's one thing and then all of a sudden it's like no here's the real movie it's like well wait a minute the actual once they get to the facility and, and not in a good way i mean i no. i enjoy from dusk till dawn as an example of clearly two different genres and movies mashed together and there's a clear delineation point but i enjoy both halves of that this is not anything like that. But the fun of a movie like that is it's a bunch of characters who think they're in a crime movie and then it's revealed, oh no, you're in a horror movie, a vampire movie. Right. This isn't that. It's not like a bunch of characters think they're in one type of movie and suddenly they learn they're in another. No, they're in a thriller the whole time. There's no like, no. there's no interesting revelation of a, a characters coming to the realization of, oh, this is a different thing than we thought. It's exactly what we thought. It's a killer. It's a cliched killer. I'm going to... I'm going to change the world with my murder. Uh, whatever the hell he wants. Who knows? Oh, it's philosophy. It's, it's, it's one of the things that fr- frustrates me the most is that if I, I'm supposed to be invested in some way. Sh- I'm not invested really in any of the characters that are getting killed, sadly. No. I mean, none of them. So at least give me something. Give me a Hannibal Lecter. Give me some sort of villain that I'm invested in. Nothing. No, because it's a whodunit and you're not you're allowed right. to know you, who it is. You have no backstory. It would have been much better if you know all along, you know, and like that's the Hitchcock thing of we as the audience are ahead of the characters and we're yeah. going, oh no, he doesn't know who that this who guy that is. Really the is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But no, we're we're in the dark. Everybody, yeah. And and the frustrating part of, you know, as a whodunit is Stallone's character doesn't even really figure it out. He just lucks upon the solution, and it's totally arbitrary who it is anyway. You know what? Actually, I I was thinking about watching this movie because it doesn't matter who the killer is. If if they had changed it to be Robert Patrick is the killer, or you know uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey Wright is the killer, it's nothing changes. You could have the exact same dialogue, except now it's Jeffrey Wright saying it. (laughs) Nothing changes. It does not matter who the killer is. Because the motivation is, I am secretly posing as a cop, but I'm actually—I really hate cops, and I want to kill them. So any of any character in this movie could be that. Yes. So, uh, Other than Stallone, I mean, Stallone is the only one that it, even he could have been. They could have—they could have pulled some psychological there, twist. There but, would have been a lot of gymnastics to do yeah, that. Yeah. But other than Stallone, honestly, anybody in this movie could have been it. Yes. And here's here's what I was thinking about. It made me think. It felt to me uh, like a video game with multiple endings like a video game that randomizes who the killer is and so they have to write an ending (laughs) right they have to write an ending for each character i'm the killer no i'm the you know every you play it and every time it's randomized because it's so arbitrary it felt like here's the ending we got you know but there could or like clue or something i guess or you know it's just spin the wheel it's this guy why is this significant? It's not. <laughs> da, 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 you know, who cares? <laughs> I kind of would have liked the clue. The all, you know, the I don't remember how many there are in clue three, three. four, whatever it is. I well, I almost would have enjoyed that more than this. That's how it feels. It feels like there could be five different endings. Yes. All the, these other characters are actually the killer. And yeah. I know they reshot the ending. I was trying to find out what the original ending was. I didn't care enough to really dig that far. There's not a lot of information about this movie. This movie was dumped. <laughs> you know, it, yes. it's it is. Not well known and for good reason. So yeah. So uh, with that, that's maybe a good transition. Okay. You ready to get into well, history? So maybe we do dislike it the same amount. I just I don't hate it like with, like in a way that I've hated other movies. Not we've like talked Ratchet about. and Clank. I, I understand. It's just boring and dull. And uh, I mean, I guess I do hate it more than I. Re- now we're talking about it. I'm getting worked up. So maybe I actually do hate it. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we'll we'll see you as we get into it. All right. You ready? Sure. Let's get into this. What day is it? What year? All right, September 22nd, 2002. It uh, doesn't seem like that long ago, but it really is a long time ago. Yeah. It's 17 years ago. It is a long time ago. All right, so <laughs> the box office. Yeah, I saw this too. 
Oh, so you already saw it. So I, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. But the, I mean, when you have a domestic box office of less than eighty thousand dollars, do we not know in nineteen nineteen? <laughs> well, this movie was distributed by DEJ Productions, so you know it probably was in like five theaters or something. So, so it's all right. Yeah. So the total total worldwide gross that I found was six million four hundred sixteen thousand three hundred two dollars. Yeah, I think I got a wider release in like the UK and stuff. Like yeah. an actual wide release as opposed to whatever DEJ Productions could afford. Uh, so yeah, so the foreign was far more than the domestic, but it really wasn't that much money at another no. six. $6.3 million. The opening weekend in the United States, the box office was $32,000, clocking in at number 57 that wow. weekend. I didn't know they counted that far down. I had to go in box office mojo and start scrolling sure. down to find it. All right, so the top 10, uh, according so, to box office mojo, sorry. Do you have the budget for the movie? I know I saw it was like... In the tens of millions of dollars. You know what? I actually missed that on this one. Okay. Sorry about that. Just well, to, this is not a low-budget movie. This is a big-budget well, Hollywood yeah. production. When you go through that list, no matter what amount they took to do this movie, yeah. you're, the, just the actors alone aren't cheap. I just wanted to make sure we put it in that context where this is like at least a $30 million movie. Yes. Maybe 50 is, I saw somewhere in that range. Like No, I, I missed that. Like that's my is, fault. No, no, no. It's fine. I just, just to put it in that context. All right. So the number one movie in America was Barbershop uh, with just under $13 million. That was actually its second week uh, in release. A lot of these I do not remember at all. Number uh, number two was its uh, initial release week, The Banger Sisters. Do not know it at all. It's a Fox Searchlight, though, so that might have been more of an art, art house movie. Yeah, the, the, the name rings a bell, but I don't know. Uh, number three, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I ever saw that movie, so I shouldn't really deride it. I have never seen it. Yeah. I'd, All right. I have no, no opinion, number but. four. This this is one that I do remember. I've not seen it, but I just couldn't based on the trailers. Ballistic X versus <laughs> Sever. My dad owns that on DVD. <laughs> I tried to watch it once. Uh, I was. Is it, is it that bad? I, I didn't. I couldn't get through it. It was so bad. I was house sitting. I'm just like I should probably watch this. <laughs> Oh, yeah. See, it, I watched like the first 10 minutes. It was also pretty boring. More boring than you would think. Okay. I didn't get to... I'm sure there's action scenes, but I was just like, I, I don't care. There's no point. Yeah. All right, number five. Another one I don't recognize, The Four Feathers. Uh, number six, One Hour Photo, which I have seen. And I actually... That may be the only Robin... I'm not a... I've said this many times. I'm not a huge Robin Williams fan. For some reason, I think I liked One Hour Photo. Okay. I've never seen One Hour Photo. That That's the... like. The other side, the like the dark side yeah, of Robin Williams. He, yes, he did that a fair amount. Number uh, number seven was Signs, an M Night Shyamalan movie that I am not a fan of. Yeah, I'm with you. I think people like that, but yeah, I'm not sure why. It's a little silly. Uh, number eight. This was uh, the beginnings of. I don't know if it was. No, this wasn't social media. I, I remember something tied to the movie Swim Fan. It, it wouldn't have been social media, and it wouldn't have been MySpace, but there was something with like texting and phones or something on SwimFan. Yeah, I, I never saw it, but I, I think I know. I think I remember yeah. what you mean. It was like because that's part of the movie, I guess. Is like, I think so. Yeah, like text stalking or something. Someone's yeah. being stalked on over their phone or something. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, number nine, Stealing Harvard, which I think was a comedy. Seems like maybe Tom Green. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's. I mean, that sounds like the type of people who would be in that. I don't know if it was Tom Green. I don't but remember it, but it's it's in. This is would be like the Tom Green era. That's as well, true. Yeah. So. Uh, number ten, another one I didn't recognize. Trapped. So it. Jeez. It was not a stellar stellar weekend. Oh yeah, like for movies. If not all. for signs, I wouldn't have seen any of those movies. I've it's seen so Barbershop. 
Barbershop okay. and signs. That that's probably it. That's oh, and one hour photo. I take that back. Okay, that's got to be between the two of us the fewest number of movies we've seen in, in any top so, ten we've covered so far. I've seen one. You've seen three. Like that's 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 pretty thin. rough for us. And September, right? Like this isn't February. No, it's not total dumping ground. I mean, it's not one of the strongest months, but it's it's late September too. So that that you're not into the slasher horror sure, movies it's, yet it's in Halloween October. Time, yeah. and so it's it's kind of a dumping ground, but not nearly as bad as January. I guess, yeah, a little bit. It is a little bit of like a pocket between summer. Because and... kids are back in school, so there's a lot there that's kind of over. So it's it's not a robust time, but that that's really bad. Yeah, that, that's rough. All right, so on the TV front, the number one show in America, CSI, Crime Scene Investigation, the original. Yes. Uh, number two, Friends is... I always thought... I don't know why I thought Friends was way sooner. We covered all I this know, in, in uh, Spy Kids 3D. It's going to be the same stuff. Uh, number three, I don't think so. This had to be a different year because I don't remember this one because I almost suggested this for the Silk Cozart. Yeah, that was the 2003. This is 2002. So. Yes. Number three, Joe Millionaire. Do you remember that one? No, not, not even a little bit. So Joe Millionaire was... The premise was it was, it was, it was satirizing The Bachelor in some ways. The premise was this millionaire wants to find a bride, but in reality, he, as I remember this one, he was not a millionaire. It was all a ruse to basically point out how shallow all of these people in reality TV are. I think I do remember that. Yeah, there was. I think there was only one season of it. It was on Fox, so it was kind of like counter programming <laughs> sure. to everything except for their reality TV, which comes up here in a minute. Uh, number four, ER is still hanging around. All right. Number five and six, American Idol Tuesday, American Idol Wednesday. <laughs> This era of TV is even more depressing than like now. Current, I yeah. know. This is the worst. Because at least now you have it won't be in these Nielsen ratings, but you know, now you have either cable, you know, with AMC or whatever, right. and Netflix and Amazon spending all this money. So you can ignore network TV back here, you still couldn't ignore network TV. Right. Nowadays, we have all the offspring of the Sopranos, whereas back then, there was only the Sopranos, Sopranos right. and The Wire. Uh, so speaking of... <laughs> the originals, number seven, tied actually with a scripted show, Survivor, Thailand, and Amazon. Uh, but number also tied at the same rating share was Everybody Lives Raymond, which actually, that's one of those like sitcom, you know, older sitcom, not older, but more current vintage. I actually did enjoy Everybody Loves Raymond. I've never watched a single episode. Oh, all right, I enjoyed it. Ray Romano, I don't mind. I've seen him in a couple of movies and thought he was funny. Yeah, and I, actually, I really liked Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett was... Okay. His stand-up actually is fantastic. I've seen him a couple of times. His stand-up is really good. I wouldn't have expected that. And he was that. excellent. You did you do you did the first two seasons of Fargo, right? I didn't finish the second season. Oh, man. Second season was my favorite. All right, I'm moving on. Right. Number nine, Law and Order, and finishing out the top ten, Monday Night Football. All right, so on the history front, the S&P 500 is 867.81. It's actually the beginnings of uh, a decline because it's just at the other side of the tech wreck. Uh, in late 2001 going into 2002. Okay. All right. On September 4th, I only noted this because it has a movie connection on a movie I think I like more than you. After blowing an 11-run lead to Kansas City, Scott Hatterberg's bottom of the ninth walk-off home run gives Oakland a series, uh, a historic MLB victory, 12-11. to 11. The ace set the AL record for a 20-game winning streak. It was okay. in the money ball. Money ball, yeah. yeah. Okay. Also on September 4th, before a U.S. congressional parent panel, Doris Roberts testifies that age discrimination is prevalent in Hollywood. Shocking, right? <laughs> yeah. What the, I don't you think need, anyone needs need to testify. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, watch movies and you'll see that. Uh, September 10th, Switzerland, traditionally a neutral country, joins the United Nations. 
I didn't know they were in the United Nations. I, I, I actually, assume they still are. I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't know until I did this. Okay. Uh, I, I learned recently, I didn't realize this, that you think of Switzerland as like, oh, we're neutral, we're peaceful. And it's like the the total fortress that is that country. I never realized until like recently, for some reason, I somehow learned Looked this. and started started reading. Well, no, it's not just the mountains, but they have like bunker emplacements like all around, like military defenses completely surrounding just like you cannot get in here that this is why we're neutrals because we are confident that no you know <laughs> army can penetrate our mountains and our, our defense do you think it's like tierra libre where they only have one bridge into sure yeah i guess so. Switzerland. that's a little similar get me rambo i just really wanted to say that I, they're way more militarized than you would think but it's all geared at defense. defense right so yeah uh, September 11th, so through extreme and coordinated effort, the Pentagon is rededicated after repairs are completed exactly one year after the attack on the Pentagon, because it's 2002. Yeah. Uh, September 12th, U.S. President George W. Bush addresses the U.N. and challenges its members to confront, quote, the grave and gathering danger of Iraq, or stand aside as the United States and like-minded nations act. Yeah. Unfortunately, we did move forward. A real ramp-up uh, time here. Yep. Uh, October 2nd. I had somewhat forgotten about this. Uh, the Beltway sniper attacks begin with five shootings taking place in Montgomery County, Maryland. I'd forgotten about that, too. That was, yeah. that's, uh, that was a crazy story. It, it was a crazy time, too. I mean, when you're, it was just a little bit after yes. you know, September 11th. I, I went in October because the history was pretty short. It was a crazy time. Oh, death and grief and sorrow and murder. <laughs> we got to keep this podcast light. Okay, with that... <laughs> Also on October 2nd, the Congress of the United States passes a joint resolution which authorizes the president to use the United States Armed Forces as he deems necessary and appropriate against Iraq. Should I hit it again? Oh, death and grief and sorrow and murder. <laughs> to be clear, this button isn't intended to make light of past tragedy. This is just an attempt to... How much to, the news is a downer? Yeah, this is an attempt to mitigate the, the depressing news that sometimes hits this uh, segment. And then on October 9th, the dot-com bubble bear market reaches bottom when the Dow Jones Industrial Average slips below 7,200. When are we going to get another dot-com bubble burst? Like, pets.com wasn't hurting anybody. Get rid of Facebook. It's actually harmful. When is that uh, bubble going to burst? It is, but the problem is that company makes a lot of money. <laughs> well, pets.com, I, I would much rather be making money. You can much not rather, the, like, but that's not the way the market works, and you know that. I'm fine. All right. I so. want another bubble. I don't care if it takes down industries. There's too many tech companies these days. Hit that button again. Oh, death and grief and sorrow and murder. All right, so finishing out on the history front, um, uh, on the literary front, New York Times bestseller in September of 2002, The Lovely Bones by Alice Sebold. Okay. That got made into a movie, I think. Oh, all right. Which I, I've not seen. I did not recognize that one, and I didn't look it up. Uh, and the, I, I assume that because I've heard of it. <laughs> so maybe I'm wrong. I've heard I of like The that. Lovely Bones. It's probably fair. At this point, if you've heard of a book, it has been turned into <laughs> yeah, a movie. that's why I assume that. There are no original scripts being approved anywhere these no, days. No, absolutely not. All right, and finally, the Billboard 100, Dilemma Nelly, by Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland. I actually thought that it was more... Relevant that this was exactly after Hot in Here dominated the entire month of July and early August, which that Nelly song I actually recognize. Yeah. Dilemma, I do not know. I don't know Dilemma either. I'm tempted to pull it up just yeah. to see if we recognize it. But All right, that was that. September of 2002. All right, let's move on to the big picture. Yeah. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. 
So the big picture, this is where we discuss the plot of the movie. How do we do this? <laughs> you usually come in with a short right, let me, synopsis. Let, so. let me try. Let me try. I'll admit this was really more snide than anything else. No, please be as snide as you like. I fully support your my, snideness. My first line, a giant mess of a script. A serial killer is targeting police officers and FBI agent Malloy is on the case. Malloy has his girlfriend, quote, fridged, which you've actually introduced me to that concept. Yeah, this is a, a, one of the I most mean, classic. This, this is, is like fi- straight down the fairway. If you look, if you look up, you know, uh, female fridged on Wikipedia, yeah. this is like right down the fairway. There's nothing more. There's no reason for that character to exist other than to and be fridged. She's in one. I mean, literally one scene. Yeah. Uh, With police tape around her. That's not too much foreshadowing. <laughs> Come on, movie. Uh, he then goes to a detox center for police, and the killer follows him there as well. I'm not sure we ever really learn much of the motivation for the killer or much about the detox center along the way. No. Not the, <laughs> the premise of this movie is so thrown away. Boy, a cop at a detox center... For, for basically s- PTSD. I mean, that's what... Well, no, not completely, because there's people there with drug problems and alcohol problems, yeah, so that's, it's, not, it's, that's not correct. It's, it's rehab. I mean, yeah. I, th- I think a cop who is... Going through rehab and, you know, where he's struggling against his addiction and still is forced to do his job. Like, he's trying to get himself well, and he can't do that because there's a murderer. And there's, his job has literally followed right. him. Yes, yeah, so, so I could see how that would be an interesting concept for a movie. But at no point does the alcoholism ever impact the story in the slightest. No. It's not like at any point Stallone's character, Malloy... Yes. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't have his first name on there. It's Agent Malloy. Okay, yeah, I don't Jake Malloy. I don't even know. No, you you might be right on that. It might be Jake. Uh, it doesn't matter. But because uh, everyone Jake Taylor's him, in this movie, that's true. I think I wrote down Jake a couple of times because I I so associate. Uh, him oh, with Tom Berenger. Yeah, yeah. it's and impossible not to. He's been in a lot of movies, but it'll always be Jake Taylor with me. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, so you know, I could see. If if he was struggling with the alcoholism and having to fight against that while also having to catch a killer and and survive, that would be interesting. But none of that happens. There's a little bit of him at like, oh, I'm, um, you know, the first night's tough or whatever. But at some point, Stallone is as clear headed as could be, yeah. and th- this movie does not use that premise at well, all. Part of the reason that it doesn't work is that they have him get there, and it immediately turns into a slasher movie. Right. You get uh, and. The premise, and this will steal a little bit from my questions, although I do have a few questions on this movie, so there's probably enough, is that some of the other police officers, it's clear they've been there for at least more than one day, a few days. A few days, yeah. Everyone's there pretty, like, this This place has just opened. <laughs> yeah, what so, a grand opening. <laughs> right, yeah, this place lasts like three days before the whole thing goes to hell. <laughs> it's got to be the, the least successful business of any type. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've got maintenance issue. I mean, you've got all <laughs> yeah. kinds of issues with this I mean, place. So Even Chris- if there wasn't a killer there, there was all <laughs> kinds of problems with this place. That's true. Well, you know, it's it's rough to get a business off the ground. You're going to have some growing pains. <laughs> it's true. It does seem like, because Chris Christopherson, Dr. Something, I don't remember his character's name, but he just bought this facility from the U.S. government. Yeah. And it seems like he really bought a lemon. Like, the government really unloaded this thing on him. <laughs> I mean, in comparison, what I would compare it to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume most listeners are not going to watch this movie and it's probably a smart idea yeah we need to just 
describe the plot. That's what we're supposed to be doing here. Assume a combination of two things from Ghostbusters. All of the things that need to be replaced on Ecto-1, combined with all of the issues in the firehouse when they tour it, you combine all those, that seems to be what Chris Christopherson (laughs) bought in terms of this thing. The federal government is laughing if they got anything out of this guy for this thing. Yeah, I mean, it's clear why they wanted it unloaded, because it's like... It's concrete facility. Like I can't even imagine. Like what kind of insulation was there? It's the it's it's in Montana in the middle of winter. That thing's got to be free. They have one like fire pit to keep the whole place. And they, they talk about the boiler, but it's like I don't see. I guess you do see vents because people are crawling through vents at some point. So <laughs> they're I, there, not like the vents in Escape Plan Two though, where you can just stand up. No, yeah, <laughs> and run full speed, taller than they are wide. Yes. Uh, yeah, these you actually at least have to crawl through. The thing is, we're already talking about the facility, but there's this whole twenty minutes at the beginning, which. Is honestly just backstory. Like, yeah. I mean, the part of, they couldn't have done this because the movie would have been an hour long. But the movie needs to start with him going to the facility. The yeah, whole you, you don't need the reason that he's there. I mean, you, well, you pro- should. You can learn it as backstory. Have him talk in the meetings. Yeah. Oh, this happened. Right. You know, my girlfriend was killed by this killer, and I didn't catch him, and I, so it caused me to drink. You, you need know? to learn the backstory. You're right, but you don't need to show it. Right. I think you, you just need it. to tell it, and you tell it. You're right. As as he's. They're dealing with the issues that he's there to detox. It would have been way more satisfying for a couple of reasons. One, it would have been more mysterious that you can learn about this character as you know the rest of the group does, and you know it's like, oh, who, who is this guy still in playing? Who is this guy hey, Malloy? We know who he is after the first twenty minutes because it's very clear. It's just shown to us, uh, so it removes a lot of the mystery. But also, like you said, we need to spend more time with this group before the killings happen. You're invested in nobody. Yeah, because they don't spend any time of you know, meeting the characters and, you know, they have that one group session where they are all talking. But it's all, the whole, like, the way it's written, it's just everyone's one-dimensional and then everyone's pointing out each other's one-dimensional things. It's just like Robert Patrick is a SWAT guy and he's, I'm tough and I, you guys are all pansies and I'm gonna, I'm too tough to, you know, you guys are all soft. And then Stallone's just like, Oh, you think you're so tough? It's like, well, yes, that's that's how he's written. That's the character, <laughs> that's his stock character. Yeah, and so and, and then it's like, oh, you know, Robert Patrick doesn't like uh, the Mountie uh, played by Nick from Last Action Hero. I w- that actually was a pleasant surprise. I was glad to see him. I learned uh, that that actor's name is Robert Prosky. I never learned it before. Neither did I. It was always Nick. No, it's just Nick from Last Action Hero. <laughs> Funnily enough, because we watched Fist in the last episode, I went and uh, I watched the movie uh, um, um, Hoffa, Hoffa, which he is in. And I'm oh, like, oh. I don't remember that. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's Nick from Last Action Hero. And then literally, like the next wow. movie I watched was this. Did you like Hoffa? Uh, it was okay. I liked yeah. it okay. okay. I think I liked Fist a little better, but it was oh, fine. Well, interesting. But um, and I looked. I was like, who is this guy? I guess he's been in more than I realized. And uh, apparently, what I saw is that he came up with David Mamet, oh. and he was the first actor on stage to play Shelly the Machine Levine. No way. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff this guy has done. Now, that re- actually, that really is awesome. And that may be the, my favorite Mammoth character. I mean, easily. I'm, I'm not the hugest man. I don't know all of his work. But Glengarry Gun Ross is probably my favorite. And I yeah. think Shelly the Machine Levine is, is the best part. Even though it's great. Ricky Roma gets all of, you know, the over the top, you know, the he he's the best salesman. I think Shelley is the best character in that movie. Well, he's the heart of that movie for yeah. sure. I mean, he's the one you care about. Yeah. Unlike uh, ICU, where you don't care about anybody, you know, Shelley is the audience surrogate. And here, absolutely, here it's Stallone. Who, despite the fact that we saw this tragedy, we don't care about him. There's nothing to care about. And just to finish out on Shelley, the Machine Levine mm-hmm. giving birth to the Simpsons character Gil makes sure. it. 
You can see how this guy, Robert Prosky, played Oh, could it. be Shelly. Yeah. Absolutely. He's the perfect type to play that. He, it totally makes sense. Yeah. I I mean, Jack Lemmon certainly as memorable as, as Shelly, but you can completely see Nick yeah. being being that character. But again, like in this movie, his character is he's a Mountie who let his partner get killed. And then it, all they talk about, they don't talk about anything other than Robert Patrick going like, you let your partner die. There's nothing I hate more than a yellow cop. It's like, they're not talking about anything. They're just describing each other and saying, I don't like you to, to like artificially create tension, tension yeah. so that when it's revealed that there's a killer, it's like all these red It could hair. be anybody. Right. right. But it's obviously not Robert Patrick. He's such, he's so overly villainous. He's, I hate everybody. I'm tough. I am SWAT. It's like, it obviously he's not this guy. They're, they're, they're trying to make him the villain so much. No. I, and what's funny is you're right. For most of the movie, I thought it was Jake Taylor. Yeah, I, yeah. I honestly, that's who I thought it was. Yeah, I mean, I... So I'd like to say I figured it out. I didn't. They very easily... No, there's nothing to figure I, out. It, it could have very easily been him. Like we said earlier, nothing would have changed. <laughs> it's been the wheel. There's nothing to solve. Even in the characters in the movie don't solve anything. It's just... Maybe the I movie... I happen to find this matchbook that solved the case just by happenstance. Maybe it would be a better movie if it was like a choose your own adventure and somehow if on the DVD you you know you press whatever button and right. you get to choose. I'd like to see the ending where Robert Patrick is the killer. Let's see how that sure. Let's go inside the machine, right? Sure. And see how that looks. I'm sure you could do like a double reverse where it's like, you know, he's set up to be the villain and then they reveal, no, he's not really, but then oh, it's a double twist, you know. You could you could make that work. Literally any character. It could have been Chris Christopherson who is the who runs the place, it could have been the he's doctor. Barely in this movie. Yeah. He gets an axe to the, the <laughs> chest immediately. Yes. He gets one scene where he kind of he's run. Like, yeah, he's like doing the introduction. He goes through five. I mean, he gets a few, but he's gone very quickly. He is, yeah, d- too quickly. That character needed to be the the guy. You know what, what he should have been is he should have been Sam Jackson in Deep Blue Sea. Here's, here's a guy who seems like he's taking charge and he knows what's going on. He's like, I'm, I know what to do and I'm going to solve this problem. And then he's killed and it's like, oh no, now everything's up yeah, for it's, grabs. It's like rudderless. It's Thunderdome. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. The spoilers for Deep Blue Sea. But uh, that clip is so famous now of Sam Jackson being eaten by the shark. Uh, <laughs> That's why you love that movie, isn't it? Oh, par- yeah, partially. That's a great moment. Genuinely caught me off guard the first time I saw that movie. <laughs> But that's why that works is because Sam J- I'm going to rally the troops. I'm going to give a big speech, and he's just dead. Uh, that's, shark got him. That's what they should have done with Chris Christopherson. It's like, I'm going to – don't worry. I'm in charge. I'm, you know, the, the, the authority here. I'm responsible. I've got all the guns. You know, I, I run this place. I'm going to fix this. And then once he's dead – but he doesn't even have enough time to establish that. He just kind of runs a, a group meeting where they t- talk about their, their – cop problems they don't even really talk about the their substance abuse no it's more about like the trauma they experience as cops i think that was because it was the beginnings of some of the therapy of you know are, are you treating the symptom or are you trying to you know treat the actual disease and the disease is probably what has turned them either to alcohol to drugs sure well, that's definitely what what is is portrayed for stallone's character yeah it's you know his girlfriend being killed that drives him to drink and yeah. now he's in this detox place so effectively you know they people are getting picked off one by one a portion of them are going to try. Oh, and in terms of the plot, of course, there's a giant snowstorm. Just I, I can't even begin to describe. It was like a natural disaster movie mixed in with all of this other. It's like a natural disaster movie of snow. Yeah, well, it's just there to isolate them. I know That's why. You know, it's it's not. I get it. I understand the plot device, but it's like. But they, I mean, they make kind of some intimations of oh, the boiler's out and we might freeze to death. So I mean, I guess the blizzard is a threat, but. 
Not not really. so much. It's they more of that they can't get out. That's really more of what it is. Right. Because, I mean, we're skipping over a lot because, I mean, so what is it that connects? Because then Stallone discovers that the words I see you are written under one of the victim's eyes. Yeah. But it, does that connect to the first part of the movie? Because I, I didn't well, remember. it does because for whatever random reason, the, the first two victims you see get drills to the eyes and there's something like with their eye. It's only because the title of the movie is I right. see you. <laughs> That's the reason why there's this fixation with eyes. And then, yes, yeah, somehow, and I think I've got it in my questions, I, I never could figure out, so one, why did Stallone look there? At no point in time had they ever established that the killer ever did anything other than take drills to people's eyes. So right. I'm like, why all of a sudden would he be looking under the... It, it didn't make any sense other than to connect it in terms of, oh, it's something to do with their eyes. Yeah, because people are mysteriously dying, and at first it seems like a bunch of suicides, but then when Chris Christopherson gets killed by an axe, it becomes very clear that there's a killer. And yeah, Stallone's like, oh, wait, I, I need to check this guy's eyelids, and then he sees the it says, written I-C-U, yeah. E-Y-E, and then C-U. But then he's like, it's him, he's here. How does that prove that... There's, there's, no, there's no way for you to know, because it would be one thing, right, if there was... A history, and you would learn that this killer did that to all of their victims, right? They he didn't. The only thing that you see is him taking a drill to two victims' eyes. You just have to make a leap there. There is not anything that's established in those earlier. It, it would have made more sense if the killer had like tattooed that on each of their victims. Yeah. Fine. Well, I did forget actually. I've just happened to see a note of mine where. Because in the first 20 minutes, you think that the killer hung himself. Yeah. There's no way you believe that because it's 20 minutes into the movie. It was stupid. Well, I wasn't sure what kind of movie it was. So at first I was like, maybe it's the rest of this movie is going to be like an exploration of, you know, a cop who has dealt with this tragedy and, you know, it drives him to to alcoholism. And I I honestly thought maybe the rest of this movie isn't going to be a thriller. Maybe there's not going to be a killer and it's just going to be. I didn't know where it was going to go. So part of me was going like, maybe this is real. Um, but anyway, I forgot he, the killer writes, I, the letters, I see you on like the guy's face and blood. Oh, I missed that. All right. Um, I'd forgotten about it until I just happened to see my, the then, then, okay. Then that Cause, is I, I, cause I have a note saying it was in my questions. How, how does, what is the story that the killer hung himself and wrote? I see you in his own blood using a mirror backwards. Like, you know what I mean? Like the idea that the cops think, Oh, well he clearly, oh, this is he clearly the, killed himself. We're, we're done. The here. killer has hung himself. Case closed. <laughs> uh, the cops just don't want to work. That's really what it comes down to. Like, oh, we got him. <laughs> Never mind. The guy killed nine cops. <laughs> There's plenty to talk about. I'm sure we can get into this stuff later. Yeah. I mean, uh, effectively, I mean, I, you then move through. He's the killer is picking off a bunch one by one, and then it's the first cop that you meet. Who I I don't like the fact that a Slater. It's not Jack Slater, but I do not like no. the fact that a Slater is the killer in this movie. Sure, Nick Nick from Last Action Hero. Nick here. gets killed, and the the Ripper's axe. That very well could have been the Ripper's That's axe. True, that Chris yeah. Christopherson got in the gut. It's very similar. Uh, yeah, it's, but he's it, it, London police Slater. Yeah. And- which that even that connection didn't make sense. Now he did steal the identity, so there had to have been a London police officer there, right? Because a body washes up in a yeah. lake in a frozen over lake, and Charles S. Dutton. Uh, Can we Stallone's... just let's just say it right now? <laughs> okay, get get the button ready. Yeah, well, okay, we'll do it right now. Hold on, Charles S. Dutton, you are. The... I have spoken. <laughs> Sorry, that's fine. <laughs> I stepped on it. He is what? Oh, he is the Zeus of this movie. Yes. I have spoken. 
I can't imagine any listener is starting with this episode, but in case that they are, <laughs> uh, the Zeus of the movie is something that had been coined by one of our, with the help of one of our listeners from when we covered Hercules in New York. Uh, a character that comments on what's going on in the movie and has zero impact. Yeah. This may be one of the best cases we will ever find. Yeah, it's a, it's a Zeus team because it's him and uh, <laughs> and and Rance Howard, Ron Howard's father. I didn't know that. He's yeah. the one driving the, the army truck? Yeah, I really want to know where he got that army truck. That's one of my questions. Yeah, well, you got to be prepared in Wyoming. You got to have the, some kind of like snow cat to get around, I guess. Yeah, because at some point Ron Howard was going to direct this movie, and then and then he was a producer on the movie, and then by the time the movie was released, no sign of Ron Howard's involvement has been. Yeah, he is out of the picture. <laughs> I see him doing the very the slow Simpsons, looking each side and just backing yeah, away exactly. slowly. But Rance Howard being in this movie, Ron Howard's father, I think, is evidence that he was involved. He can't wash away all, entirely. I like that his dad's in it, and he didn't get Clint Howard into this movie. His brother. Yeah, he could. He could have been one of the cops. He could have been. Howard could have been the killer. That's like that. Those strange orderlies. He could have easily been one of those. Yes. Those guys. Like he could have been one of the cops. He yeah, could you could, I could see that one. You spin that. One of the orderlies is the killer, and it's Clint Howard. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, he definitely would have drawn suspicion on Clint Howard if he was one of the guys. But uh, I, I, that's certainly one of my little details. But this is a textbook Zeus of the movie. Charles Dutton has zero impact on this movie. I mean, they're rushing to get there, and I guess they do come across a couple of the people who are trying <laughs> to get away. Boy, you're skipping over it. I'm, I, you're skipping over. It. They spend a decent amount of time of worthless footage of him like <laughs> buying fishing gear, going fishing. You <laughs> yeah. want to talk? I know the movie was short. <laughs> Could you just yeah. stretch it out? I mean, he's getting fishing gear. Yeah, it, it's really it's uh, totally worthless. Yeah, it really is. Because does he even do anything? Does he even save the day at the end? He just kind of shows up and he doesn't like, save the day. The only thing that he does, the only impact that he has, and it's more for the audience to learn. You do. He's the one that sees the body that floats up because right. he's going fishing. But other than that, it also doesn't solve anything. Because Slater already reveals that he stole somebody's identity, so right. it doesn't matter. Yeah, you learn that separately anyway, so right. uh, yeah, there's no need to illustrate, oh, it's a body. I like Charles S. Dutton. I, I, being the Alien fan that I am, he's a big part of Alien 3, and I am an Alien 3 defender. So I like it. I like to see Charles S. Dutton in movies. But I like to see most of these people in movies. Not this one, that's yeah. for sure. I, I've got just one. the idea that he's just like, I'm going to rent a cabin nearby. It's like, <laughs> why? I took some time off. I'm going to go fit. And they spend, again, for like a percentage of what this movie is, it's not that long of a movie. You get a lot of scenes with him, and it has zero impact on what happens. No. The first time you see, he's just like, I'm going to, yeah, like you said, I'm going to take some vacation time. I'm going to rent the cabin. And then the next time you see him, his cabin is burning down. Like he's accidentally goes, deluxe cabin, my ass. <laughs> what, what What do you mean? A deluxe cabin is fireproof? Like what is even, what do you mean? So you can just be reckless and careless? Right. It's a deluxe cabin. I can just burn it. I can so, start a fire anyway. So I, right. So I, I rent the penthouse suite and I can just do whatever I want. <laughs> right. Because it's supposed to be fantastic? I don't think that's how it works. And then he never goes back to that cabin, so did he burn it down? Like, is that why he's spending a lot of time? I don't know if I have it. That is a good question. Um, I mean, it didn't, I didn't have it. It was just as we're talking through it. I mean, we, we've skipped over a ton of this movie, but I, care, I don't care about this movie I don't think we to need to care about it. You don't There's need a to bunch of characters like, that are 
there to be. Ha- so we have a lot of suspects. There's like ten cops and like five or six. There people are, but who I, work there? There's like the cook and you know a couple of orderlies and uh, yeah, the, the maintenance guy uh, played by Tom, Tom Berenger. I see, but some of them I have covered in the little details because there's things or or in the questions because there's a whole host of things that either don't make sense or because of who they are. And again, you're right; they're put in there to just make it so there are more alternatives for you to guess who the killer is. Right. And there's a whole bunch of stuff, like pointless stuff about like Tom Berenger and a couple of guys are going to go get help and they're just driving around and well they're trying <laughs> to shovel out first. Yeah, they're they're stuck in the snow, they shovel out and then I forget what happens like, "Oh no, get out, get out, we got to get out of here." And they careen off of a mountain. Well, because they see there's the it turns out it's the killer is standing there. Right. And so they swerve out of the way. Instead yeah. of just, I mean, they didn't know it was the killer, <laughs> sure. but instead of just gunning it and running them over. But in this blizzard, how fast could they possibly be going? When, when they go off that mountain, they're doing like 50 oh, miles an hour. I was going to say, you, you want to ask how fast they were going? It looked like they were doing 50 or 60 miles an hour just gunning it. Yeah. Yeah, it, you you know, know, in a blizzard, he got exactly what he deserved. Yeah, that's what a weird, like every, every part of this movie is just bizarre. And... and I don't even know what how to discuss the plot of this movie because it's just like a bunch of cops. One of them's the killer. Oh, it's that guy. The end. That's and it. Sloan kills him. So now it's time to move on to technology. <laughs> okay, let's move on to technology. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? All right, this is the section of the show where we discuss how changes and advancements in technology might have altered the plot, key scenes. Or other things in the movie. And I have the easiest and biggest one to lead off. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to let you go first. I think I have the same one. All right, well, I'm going to let you go first. Cell phones? No. Oh, okay, okay. You, you go with that one. No, well, I've... well that's the, the classic thing of horror movies now where everyone has a cell phone. How do you make a horror movie? You, people are never isolated anymore. So, but then you could argue it's Wyoming. Maybe they wouldn't get you know, as good a de- coverage. Depending on your, your, your carrier, maybe, uh, you know. Uh, between out of those sixteen people, one of them would probably be able to get a signal and say, "Hey, there's a murderer here. Send a helicopter. Get us out of here." I don't care how much there's a blizzard. Well, I'm going to go. You, I'm going to do a step better. Oh, maybe, the, maybe, if it's that obvious, I might have. The I, most I obvious one to me, at least in terms of the story arc we get, because this is Agent Malloy, Sylvester Stallone's movie, effectively. Yeah. So his whole motivation is ultimately his girlfriend was fridged, right? Yes. So today. I'm going to say she more than likely would have had a ring doorbell. And if she had a ring doorbell, she is not answering that door and being, you know, having the drill put through her eye. None of it happens to her because she's got a video image of who's at the sure. front door and she is not answering that front door. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know how you would how you would sneakily drill someone in the eye these days. I don't know what's, how you do the, it at all in the first place. No, yeah. D- drilling someone through the uh, people. People is ridiculous. Yeah. But the whole point being that... <laughs> you see it. It's not like you wouldn't see it coming. You're looking through the people. <laughs> it would be magnified in a fish eye. Of course you'd see this drill coming at your eye. It's absurd, but the point is, is today with a ring, forget it. I mean, you can't right. even steal Halloween candy from somebody's porch without them knowing. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, he was just kicking the door these days. Yeah, you know, like, probably. He's a, he's a crazy killer or you would just like ring the bell and say, hello i'm a kindly english man <laughs> my name is jack slater <laughs> right what was his actual I've got first a gammy name leg. <laughs> do we know his real first name wasn't jack slater we don't know i don't think we learn it it's just no. detective well, he, slater well because he's an imposter i don't think you ever get it he, that's oh the, true that's the name of the dead cop yeah that he stole he, his identity he stole his identity right and you never meet that cop because 
He's already dead. Well, you'll see his corpse. Yeah, so, yeah. That's it. so the only other one I had in technology is actually with discovering which person was an imposter. Now, this would have to take in that cell phones existed, but social media. You, there's no way that you would not know a lot about those most of those people that were already there. Yeah, I, I, I did have that as far as once I know someone's an imposter... Every, okay, everyone, everyone, pull out all, every yes. like, footprint you have on the internet. Show us and who you are. Prove, prove who you are. Yeah, yeah. game over. That's yeah, exactly. It. There's, there's no way. Um, the, the only other thing I have is uh, Chris Christopherson's character, the doctor, has file cabinets full of paper, <laughs> paper files <laughs> of, of like all their case files. Right. So you know, and, and uh, the killer burns them to, it, or destroys them. It'd be, it'd be up on the cloud. Sure, it would be up in the cloud, or you know, he doesn't even seem to have a computer. It's, it was made in 1999. You're, I guess he's just I'm a tough old cop. I don't need no, them dang computers. No, I'm, gonna, I'm actually I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I think that they are. This is just such like a soft opening of this place, and he's that reckless. Sure. Is that they don't even they haven't even gotten like the IT people out here to actually get stuff established. He's wanting to get like patients in as fast as he can. Doesn't arrive until Tuesday. Yes. Exactly, and unfortunately, most of the members are dead well before then. What is that from? I'm quoting something I don't remember what it's from. Some uh, so it doesn't arrive until two. Oh, it's from Star Trek Seven. That's from Star yes. Trek Generation. Yes, where the ship is missing a bunch of components. Oh, well, go to warp. The warp the warp car isn't installed until Tuesday. That's right. Something like that. All right, I knew I was quoting something. I, I didn't realize it was Star Trek. All right, Star Trek has really invaded my brain lately. I've been watching a lot so. of Star Trek. Generations is a good one for it to invade, though. <laughs> is it? I disagree with that. Really? I like Generations. Not as, I like First Contact better in Generations. Where I, the iconic character Captain Kirk is killed by a bridge falling on his head? <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> that's, that's the most They had to kill him. I mean, he's getting old. He, he could have died in a more heroic way. The way he fake dies at the beginning of the movie is way more heroic than the that way he true. really dies. I know true. he theor- theoretically saves 350,000 or million, whatever, unseen people on some planet. We never see them. So I don't, I don't, I'm not a crazy, I'm not a big All fan right. of that movie, but it's not bad. I mean, Mar- Malcolm McDowell is good. Anyway. All right. I'd rather ready? talk about that movie than this, I'll tell you. All that. right, well, little details. All right. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. I would much rather watch an Ed Wood movie. Uh, so the little details. The segment of the movie where we discuss minutia that we maybe found interesting. I'm not sure that'll be the case in this one. Uh, maybe more annoying more than anything else in yeah, this movie. Yeah, plenty of annoying stuff, that's for sure. Uh, well, I will tell you, because we were questioning, we were nebulous on the killer's motivations. You're right. <laughs> I've got it in my note, but you do it. Uh, the whole speech, the the nine one one call at the beginning. I don't have the whole speech, but you, go ahead. Well, fire. I'll start. I'll start at the because at first it's just like nine one one. Oh, I'm I'm calling to tell you that I'll kill again or whatever. There's a bunch of like dumb stuff, but anyway, once he gets to like his manifesto, he goes natural selection, born to win, born to lose, born to die. Three situations that make up everything in the world. No interference is necessary. By the way, you have to imagine a voice pitch. No interference is necessary. Yes, I can't do that for the entire thing. But interference happens. People interfere with an important task. An important task I enjoy doing. I don't believe people are good by nature. Not at all. So if you remove the authority... Authority. Authority. There's a couple moments where it does that. Yes. The police. 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 Then you'll see life as God intended it to be, a world of pandemonium without police. The weak and diseased would be gone, the streets red with blood, the way nature intended it to be. There will be another body found tonight. Let me hang it up. No, you 
You missed it. Oh, no, you're right. I did. <laughs> the, best the best part. part. Please give the no, best I, part. I, I, I forgot it, so you do it because I, I neglected it. <laughs> the last line in this manifesto. You're right. I can't believe I forgot. Is outstanding. <laughs> yes. I have, and he is a very polite killer as he ends with, thank you for your time. <laughs> thank you for your time. <laughs> the only thing I found entertaining about this movie. I wrote it down and I skipped right over it. I totally he forgot said, it. You're right. Thank you yeah. for your time. He's British. He's a gentlemanly British man. I think. Well, you're right. It's probably because he's British. <laughs> um, it, I'll talk about it now. It was in my questions, but I, it, it bothered me that uh, this voice box apparently disguises his accent as well because it does not come through on this voice box. It does not come through. I don't know if those how if that's how those boxes work or not. I think you would still be able to hear an accent if someone had an accent. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. That's a, it's, it's, the, it's the voice pitch that makes it funny. <laughs> Thank you for your time. I mean, it, honestly, it's like Cobra Commander or Megatron. Yeah. <laughs> some, like, arch villain <laughs> right. reading all the, you know, his thoughts and manifest. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Have a nice day. Toodles. <laughs> exactly. Toodaloo. Oh, all right. Okay. So I've, I've got then my next one that I, I've got. Stallone's you've talked about you you love now this is not an action film so it's not 100% fair but a char- you know the main character your hero's introduction you think is really important this movie does not get off on the right foot <laughs> this so it opens with him he's just staring in a jewelry box yeah we discover him like weirdly standing in a jewelry and, store and just in like a creep so I've got and he's approaching it in a very strange and awkward way right it's almost as if he's having a conversation with it just before the scene starts but the audience has no idea what he said to this jewelry yeah, box we don't know what's happening here and it's like it's almost like he's trying to sneak up on the ring <laughs> and he, like, he like, takes a couple of steps and he's like oh, oh no it saw me I better back up oh, no it's Stallone trying to do comedy shtick of just like he's trying to yeah. do a little bit where he's like he he wants to buy this ring for his girlfriend. I guess he's going to propose to her. I assume. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what you have to assume. Implication. Yeah, but he's he's really upset about the price, and he's just like I don't know, and he's just kind of making faces and walking back and forth. And yeah, it's not good. It's yeah, it is a very strange way to introduce any character, let alone a Sylvester Stallone character. I mean, this is during the post Copland period where he was trying to reinvent himself, yeah. unsuccessfully. You know, I mean, uh, I don't think he's the problem with this movie, but no, there's a lot of problems. I don't think he's it, but this is not a strong performance. I mean, this is not his strength. Com- comedy is not his strength here in this opening. Yeah, I, it it reminds me. I learned recently. I, ju- I just rewatched Jackie Brown because uh, we're recording this a couple days after Robert Forrester sadly passed away. Yeah, and I, so just hold that thought. But okay. it was surreal for me because I watched El Camino on Netflix like the minute it came out. I, a little spoiler for you if you haven't seen it. No, I, I, I also have seen it, and yes, yeah. I had that same same experience. Yeah, I was like, oh man, let's talk about surreal. Yeah. Um, but I learned after watching Jackie Brown and I was just reading up sometimes when I'm watching a movie, I'll just pull up the Wikipedia or whatever. Sylvester Stallone turned down the De Niro part in Jackie Brown. He was offered the part and turned it down. Are you serious? And I think that who turns down work. And I mean, I Sylvester Stallone, it totally tracks. I think watching all his movies, it totally makes sense to me because Sylvester Stallone hates playing characters that are not nice. He, he wants to be liked by the audience. Always, always. I, you're you're right, but at the same time, it's like you're turning on working with Tarantino. Yeah. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. You know, I mean, how still many people th- like 
want to work with Quentin Tarantino. And what a perfect opportunity to reinvent. You know, it was a point where he's trying yes. to reinvent his image. And what a perfect opportunity. It's a t- I mean, I, you know, I like Jackie Brown. It's not my among my favorites of Tarantino. But, it, you know, I think Out of Sight is a far better adaptation of an Elmore Leonard novel than Jackie Brown. But the point being... It's still a Tarantino movie. It's an Elmore Leonard novel. You're trying to reinvent yourself. You're right. You want to talk about right down the fairway. And, and the precedent is there with John Travolta in Pulp Fiction yes. of, of Tarantino Completely. reviving yes. and reinventing Travolta's career. Uh, just a dead and so Travolta is somebody that you worked with on Staying sure. Alive. Right. So if anybody you should hey, pick Call up the phone. Call him up. Yeah. How, how did this work out for you? But it's it's because Sylvester Stallone has this compulsion. He does not want to play characters wow. that are, have any negative moral traits. Like he wants to be the even when he's like a hitman or something, he's always the moral upstanding yeah. moral hero. He's John Wick, right? I mean, he, he would have to be that type of hitman if he was going to be a hitman. He has to be the one that is operating within the rules and doing things. Yeah, but even John Wick, there's no real morality, good or bad. He's just really good at his job, and he's it's, it's more self defense than anything. It's not he's not the good guy like fighting for good you know, justice. Yeah, and I guess he, so. it's just I, I I can't even imagine Stallone playing a part like that. He always wants to be that, and I th- I think I mean I don't know why I brought this up when we're talking about like the jewelry store scene, but I think it is like. This opening stuff is supposed to show what a good guy he is. He's gonna he's gonna propose to his girlfriend, and uh, you know you get it in the in the next scene too. Well, it's not the exact next. No, it might be the next scene in the bar. It is the next scene. You get that too. He's the you know he's the FBI agent. You know, and he he's trying to solve this, but he's still trying to relate and be, and hang out with cops that he knew from I guess before he was an FBI agent. Yeah, but exactly that point is that he want even there he wants all those cops to like him, even though some of them don't. Right. Well, they're upset that he isn't making enough progress on the cop killer case. Yeah. But yeah, eventually he wins them over. Everyone knows I'm an asshole or whatever. I forget how that scene ends. You know, and that guy doesn't have a good end. It, he does in the bar. And one of my my next little details talk. I don't know if you noticed his his house is quite interesting. Oh yeah, it's a it's it is interesting just architecturally and everything. He's got the washer and dryer in the kitchen. So yeah, so it, it, kitchen appears to be a couple of shelves with just canned and box goods on it. Yeah, adjacent to a room with a utility sink. Right, there's a there's a utility room with a sink, but the washer and dryer is in the kitchen. Put the washer and dryer in that room. But then, when you see, unfortunately, when after he's been murdered and the the crime scene, yeah. he he seems to have a very elaborate bar in his roofing, living room. <laughs> it's it takes up most of the first floor of this bar. But then what's great, too, is I love that he's got, like, a small ecological footprint because he's got multiple bikes hanging by the front door. <laughs> I did notice the two bikes hanging up. Yes. That didn't seem – it didn't. didn't feel right for a cop. I mean, he, he's got the two TVs, hard, one, one TV stacked on top of the other. Yes. A hard-drinking cop who you see canned goods and – you know, he's, there's yeah. no kale. There's no – there's there's no healthy eating in it, that house, yeah, but it, he's got two bikes. It all tracks it, – it's very – it's like a Dirty Harry. Whenever you see Dirty Harry's apartment, it's, it looks a lot like this. Yes, until the bikes. Oh, yeah, but then bikes. See, I can't imagine Dirty Harry riding around on a bike. Oh. Out of my way. Ching, ching. Uh, I got a case to solve. <laughs> All right, what's your next one? I actually have more little details than I thought. I uh, actually have quite a few. So I noticed when they're teasing Stallone in the bar, he, he chugs a beer. I mean, it is. I mean, this movie's called Detox, so obviously this is an aspect of the movie, but it's not at this point yet. He's, he seems like 
he drinks, but he's not. It doesn't seem like it's a problem at this point. He's, no, he seems like a happy guy. Yeah. But then he's like, "Oh, no more! I'm I gotta go home." And they're like, "Oh, get this guy a pop!" And I noticed they said "pop." It jumped out to me because that's a very Midwestern thing. But it, I, it is. I'm actually my wife and I go back and forth because I actually say soda, but you're right, pop is a Midwestern. Thing. I also say soda because I, I had a roommate in college from New York, and I was teased mercilessly for saying "pop, pop," like, like, like you know, rubes say "pop." <laughs> And so it, it drilled Can that I out. Can I tell of, you how much I love the word rube, by the way? <laughs> I really like the word rube. Yeah, that's a good word. Uh, I mean, I, we're from the Chicago area. I mean, not, we don't live in the city, but, you know. We're not we're rubes. We're not rubes, but it was, it was made very clear to me. Like, pop, you sound like a rube. So, so. <laughs> so what's interesting is I have a lot of family, and my dad's side is from Pennsylvania and out on the East Coast. Yeah. And somehow it just you – know, my dad died when I was really young, but it must be genetically imprinted because I guarantee you everybody in the house I grew up in said pop, yeah. but me, it is soda. Yeah, same here. I, I said pop until college, and then it was done. But I, I, I think the, those parts of the movie were filmed in Washington, D.C. It's never really clear what city this is, I guess. I think you're right, but I don't. I don't know if it's ever established yeah, what I, city it is. I guess in the reality, like the, the fiction wise, we don't know what town this is. So, so no. but and it, if he's an FBI agent, it could be anywhere because it's it's not like just because it's in DC that it would sure. have to be the FBI. And could, that particular cop could have grown up in the Midwest and moved to DC. Like it, it jumped out at me. Like, oh, he said pop. You don't see that a lot in movies. Characters no, calling sort of pop. All right, so I'm in. I guess it's Stallone's character's house i don't know if it's dina Maya. i'm not sure who owns the house where she's killed in but so you're at that that crime scene my my next little detail is you've got the phone ring there's like a million police officers in every one of these crime scenes there has to be like 30 or 40 people there <laughs> well, well uh charles has done comments on it. he's like just trample over that everything why don't you it's like well don't ju- don't just make sarcastic comments about do it get, about get him it. out of here stop being a zeus and do something <laughs> right, in this movie if they're actually contaminated in the crime scene get these people out of there yeah just take what you want take it home with you it's like, what kind of a you know be a disciplinarian don't just make sarcastic quips Oh, you know what? I take that back. This is actually because I have them in order. It, this is actually the crime scene for the cop, so yeah, it's not. I mean, both crime scenes, there's a million cops. So, right, but so the phone rings. A random you know, police officer answers the phone. Yeah. The killer says he wants to speak to Malloy. The phone is not on speaker, and yet Malloy knows the call is for him when the cop says to a room full, 30 cops in there of police. It's for you. Malloy knows that it's for him. <laughs> how does he know it's for him? I don't remember how specifically that cop looks or points. He doesn't. He just looks to the room and says it's for you and Malloy. It, it's basically he's got like the receiver by his head. And he may be making eye contact with Malloy. So it's not right. 100%. But he just says it's for you. It doesn't say Malloy, it's for you. Hey, you know, point to him. It's for you. And Malloy right. immediately walks over. Well, at this point, there's no personal connection to Malloy. The, the <laughs> killer killed a friend of Malloy's, but he's, just, you know, a friend of all these guys, right. presumably. It's just some cop. Yeah, so there's nothing special about Malloy at this point. Uh, I, I, I mean, Stallone's the main character. I, think, I assume that's just... I know. Oh, he must be talking about me. I'm the star of this movie. I, I get it, but because there were so many in right. the room... Yeah, I mean, that room is just crammed wall-to-wall with cops. So then what I love, though, is that... So he finds out... This is a little bit more of the play. He finds out on this phone call, you know, it's the killer, and he's talking basically about how he's right out front of um, Dina Meyer's you know, house or Stallone's house, whosoever it is, yeah. and he's going to basically kill her. What I love about this next scene 
is that Malloy, he just leaves like a bat out of hell to the point that when he gets to the house, um, f- of course, the police are already there. And a crime scene has been established by the time he gets there. Right. He crashes his car into a police <laughs> he cruiser. Does. It's like naked gun. <laughs> Spot on. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, it makes sense. It's to, it's to illustrate that he's really concerned. He's not taking the time I to mean, park outside properly. Of, yes, you're right. But outside <laughs> of a comedy like Illinois, have you ever seen that in a movie? No. I mean, it is accidentally comical. Unintentionally comical. Well, there's a moment in that. I, I don't know if it's in my questions or what. I can't find the note. But uh, there's a moment that jumped out of me where the, you know, the killer is talking to Malloy. And he's like, your girlfriend or whatever it's like she's he said something like intimating that he's gonna kill his girlfriend and then uh stallone's like he's at my effing house and then immediately charles dutton goes 1411 elm street everyone go 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 <laughs> this guy knows his buddy's address right off the top of his head maybe maybe he could have been a killer maybe he could have been the, sure the address <laughs> that's i mean i mean or at least an accessory to it right i was gonna say be stallone's talking to the killer on the yeah. phone unless he's the dude from uh from uh, Lost Highway. It could be like Scream. There could be two killers. There could be two killers. Hello, Sydney. Um, but yeah, I just thought found it funny. Like you're you're literally in my home. Do you think you could name the street address? Oh, uh, I could bleep it if you actually know it. I couldn't give you the number. I could give you the street, street. but I couldn't give you the number. The, yeah, Off the top of my head, no. You've been here a hundred times. I don't know your street address. Like the idea that Charles Dutton's like a fourteen eleven Elm. Go go go. He knows it immediately. He doesn't have to even search his memory. He just knows it. <laughs> I think that's a good catch. All right, so the next one I have is actually I wanted these back-to-back. What I love is that I've got another one of how reckless Malloy is, and he is just like a bat out of hell. When he's chasing the, what you th- well, he's chasing the killer. Ultimately, you've got some other police officer is hanged. It's not really the killer. We eventually find out. Right. But there's a shootout in this like abandoned warehouse that they think they've got him uh, cornered. Right. Stallone's character Malloy... There's like there's a door with like frosted glass in the middle of it. <laughs> For no apparent reason, he dives through the glass. Yeah. And it's not, outstanding. Not even in a cool way. It just he just awkwardly kind of falls through the door and just yeah. <laughs> you not, know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, there was another scene where I was laughing. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, it's it looks like he's been blinded and is just like randomly <laughs> right? thrashing around trying to get the kill. Or he's just out of desperation or something. I mean, no offense. I mean, if the door doesn't, it, but you get nothing to indicate that because the, the killer runs through and the, I assume that the door is closed, right? So he's trying to slow him down. Yeah. So the door clearly works, and still, you don't see him attempting it. He's just determined it's faster to just run through the glass. So that's what I'm gonna do. Just imagine the killer like taking cover next to the door, and then he bursts <laughs> the door, and the killer just looks down like, oh, okay, bang. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Right. I just fell through the the door and ended up on the floor, just like right in front of me. I guess he thought oh, he was going to get me, but uh, yeah, that's it, a very strange moment. <sighs> I mean, I, I don't know if it's supposed to illustrate that this is not like Stallone's not an action hero in this movie because it's so awkward. It's just like this weird. He's trying to be a cool action guy and just failing. Yes. Um, okay, one note, and this is just purely about the Amazon streaming experience that I had. And I wonder if this is true on all their services. Did you end up watching this on that weird service we talked about? I did. What was it called? Pluto TV. Pluto. Okay, you can get your plug in on this one, this episode too, <laughs> since you're so committed to plugging Pluto TV. I'm not committed to that. 
that. <laughs> I just picked it because I, I found that I had it for free. I don't, know I, how, to, I don't know how you even heard about Pluto TV. Like, I don't the, know. It was one of the things on my Amazon Fire Stick. It says, oh, download this app, and it's free TV. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. All right, uh, fine. And you know what? Don't make fun of me. They have all the Bond movies up there right now. Oh, okay. That makes me more tempted. Right. I own them all on Blu-ray anyway, so right. I, don't, I don't need it. And it actually it has commercials, so there is a downside well, to it, but go. whatever. Um, so I, I'm... I don't know if this would have been the case on the Pluto TV file, but on the Amazon, on the file that is on Amazon, there are two standard definition shots in the middle of the movie, and I checked it three times, and I went like, whoa, is my connection just going bad? For like five seconds, the movie just is is a blurry mess. And then suddenly it's in HD again. It's at thirty four forty two. So if you watch it on Amazon, it's on. It, it's uh, free with Prime. If uh, anyone's watching it, it that is. Way. Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's free with Prime. Oh, I would have watched it on that. <laughs> well, you know, you had your precious Pluto TV. I assumed you wanted to just check out Pluto TV. I thought that was no, the whole point. Is to, I would have completely watched it on Amazon because well, there's no commercial. He wouldn't shut up about the, Pluto TV. The last joke episode. is on me on yeah, this one. That's why. I, that's why I found it strange. But anyway, yeah, it, it, it actually kind of bugged me. I was like, I paid for an HD. I should get like five cents back. There were five seconds of standard definition. <laughs> like nickel. Yeah. Because you see this sometimes, uh, uh, like old TV shows that Wait get transferred. No, no, no. If you paid for it, then it's not on Prime. Yeah, well, you're right. I didn't pay for it. Oh, it's on Amazon I, streaming. That's different. Okay. No, I, I don't think I, I didn't pay for it. So you're right. There's no money coming back. I should get a quarter of a cent for my monthly, for my yearly subscription. Oh, so it is on Prime. It, it is include- on Prime. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I, I suppose I'm not getting money back. You're right. <laughs> I guess if I'm getting it for free. You got exactly what you deserve. I'm, I'm getting it for the subscription I'm paying for anyway. Yes. So you're right. But uh, this is a thing that I notice a lot on like old TV shows that will transfer to HD. Like Twin Peaks. Like there's like a couple of episodes in the late run of season two, which is that, that's when the show gets bad anyway. Where it's like, you'll get like a warning. Like on this episode, there's one minute and 30 seconds where we just, we couldn't find the film. So guess what? Here's a blurry TV scene missing. <laughs> no, it just, all of a sudden it looks like a 1990s blurry ass TV broadcast. <laughs> wow. And then it goes back to HD. So That's interesting. Yeah. I've never seen that happen in a movie. I checked it three times because I, th- I thought it was my connection. It's, it's Amazon's transfer. All right. So the next one I have is the bar that the, that first scene is in and then there are, uh, not the first, the first cop scene. You then, when Malloy is having issues after his uh, girlfriend was murdered, he's getting drunk in this bar, and Charles Dutton's trying to, you know, kind of talk him into going into rehab. Right. So the bar, and also you get the matchbook. So Donovan's is the bar. What I notice is that Donovan's must be a night spot because not only is there no line to get in during the day, there is almost nobody in this place. Oh yeah, it's Where's a dive a po- cop bar. But no, hold on. It's like the bar in uh, Copland. I agree with you, but here's the problem. When you first get established the night nighttime, there's a line that it's like a club oh, to get it? into. Is yes, there a line? I've, there is a that. line outside to like, get in. Well, you know, there's a lot of cops so who want to... So what wanna, kind of bar is this? There's a lot of cops who want to talk to Malloy about the case, I guess. They're lining up. So... I didn't notice the line. There That's, was a line. It was like a bouncer out there? Yes. Or? It's like a night spot. At, so at night, like that first one, it is like a hip happening place. There's a lot going on. I mean, but, they are acting like frat guys. Like, chug, chug, chug. Right, you know? it is, it, 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 here's the thing. It did not remind me of a cop bar. The, the, the yeah, morning the, scenes absolutely remind me of a cop bar. Right. Those night scenes, it's like a club. Is it possible there are two different bars? No, probably not. No, it's the same. The, this is a plot-relevant bar. Yeah. So I guess they wouldn't... Why, why muddy the waters and have a, introduce a second bar? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It, it must be the same. It's the same bar. Okay. All right. What, what do you got next? Uh, can we talk about Stallone's nightmare acting? 
I mean, part of I it is. I remember it. All right. Part of it is he's supposed to be going through withdrawals, but man, the the, the scene where he's he's is just twitching around, and it reminded me actually of in Demolition Man the like virtual sex scene where they keep cutting to his face and just like <laughs> just twitching around. Like I, I. That's a good comparison. His 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 nightmare acting really <laughs> rubbed me the wrong way. It was, was like, not good. Mm. Generally, I don't, you know, Stallone has talents, but this is not a talent he has. It's pretending to have a nightmare. It's the fakest thing I think I've ever seen Stallone do. Agreed. Fake a nightmare. All right, so I want to cover, I've got a few here bullet points. I want to cover that there are just in this movie, and I'm sure it has to do with editing, so some of it's not fair, but there are so many random scenes that just fade in and out. All right, such as the transition from Jenny... Uh, walking Malloy, Malloy around to a random scene with Doc and Hank talking about property maintenance issues. It's like, what? How yeah. do these things? It's just, here's this scene, and now we've got this scene. That's because uh, they had no idea how to get from one to the other, because the story has no flow to it. It's just like, what is the connection? There's none, so let's just dissolve from one to the next. That's essentially what it is. So I got, I've got a few here, but the, I, this one I've got to cover. So we've, the best one that I've got is there's just the shot, and I don't even have the character's name. I should. Miff, who I, I have sure. a feeling we're going to talk about. He's coming out of his room after Malloy uh, screams during one of the nightmares. The camera holds for about three or four seconds, and he just walks back right into his room. Then you've got Hank, the caretaker, walking into the room for Jenny to just say, do you mind? What? Because this movie thinks that it's setting up, it's being mysterious. Like, ooh, they're acting suspiciously. Maybe they're the killer. Maybe Miff is the killer, or maybe Tom Berenger's the killer. I guess. That's why it's doing they, it. I there's think. so many of those. In particular, before it's really more before the, the slashing begins. The, the kind of the group getting to know each other, there's just random stuff. Oh, there's boiler. What? None of this is connected in any. There's no, it's all non sequitur. You know what it actually reminds me of uh, now that we're talking about it? Eddie Izzard's stand up. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Dressed to Kill. No. It, he, does, he has a bit where he talks about the difference between British movies and American movies. And American movies are all explosions. And then a British movie is just a man sitting by a window, and another man comes in and is just like, Oh, what do you want, Sebastian? I'm arranging matches. And it's, oh, I. I <laughs> I'd better go. And then he just, you know, like, just scenes like that where just they're talking about nothing. Like, yes. that's, that's what a lot of these scenes feel like. Of just, what do, you, what do you want, Sebastian? I'm arranging matches. Very much so. All right, what else have you got? Uh, oh, you know what? Sorry, but just, so it's, it's bad. There is another female character in this movie, Jenny. Yeah, She's Jenny a the doctor. Doctor and also nurse practitioner, it seems like, in this. <laughs> they never give her name at first. Is that what you were going to say? No, I was just going to say is that she's in this movie, I guess, because another female. There's actually actually more than one, because there's one female officer as well, yeah, but she barely gets any dialogue. Yeah, she disappears from the plot, like like many of the characters, just like fade into the background uh, as Stallone takes center stage. But um, no, Jenny, the doctor, when when we're meeting all the characters, and like there's there's some scenes where it's like, that, that's so-and-so, and he was a, he was a Mountie, and that, uh, that's, that, that, that guy was undercover. Yeah, and Jenny he, Exposition. Um, well, no, it's not. She's not the one giving the exposition. It's uh, it's it's Slater. Oh yeah, Give, right. was, that, he's the one telling about the in, the, the the patients, and then uh, Chris Christopherson in a voiceover says, "Here's this guy's the cook," and and but and he gives all the names, but he never gives Jenny na- Jenny's name. He's just like, "We got a doctor. She's pretty good, and she's gonna make sure you do do do." Never gives her name. I don't think we learn her name until like three Much scenes. Much further in. along, yeah. It just seems very strange to me that it's like I'm not going to tell you her name. 
I'm just. We're only going to give you all the rest of staff and the police. That's yeah. all we're going to give you. I wish Chris Christopherson was in this movie more because I enjoy imitating him. <laughs> I'm Chris Christopherson, and I run this facility. You know, there's not enough to do. There's nothing memorable about his performance. So. Nope. He's just, I need your gun and your badge. And, and then, I'm going to put a piece of duct tape on it so I know who's is right. who. And then he dies. So he die, the combination dies with him, and you think that'd be like some kind of plot point. No, they just take like a blowtorch and <laughs> blowtorch the safe open. I kind of enjoyed the blunt nature of that. Yeah, though. but it's like so, it, you know, there's an opportunity for, you know, drama there. Oh, no one knows the combination. How are we going to get in? No, who's got the blowtorch? That guy took it. No, it just, it just immediately just blowtorch the safe open. It is like not a hurdle in the slightest. But speaking of Chris Christopherson, my question, or it's, it's an observation that's like a half question. I, I could have put this in questions, but um, at some point, you know, the first couple of guys, it, it's the killer makes it look like suicides. And, uh, you know, obviously this is like a rehab place and Chris Christopherson's, you know, th- there's a little conversation where it's like, I have to believe that we can stop them because Jenny's like, you know, if they want to kill themselves, we can't, there's nothing we can do to stop them. So like, I'm going to stop them. So he takes away all the belts. He's like, I'm taking all your belts. And then in the morning, it's like rise and shine, cut to Slater shaving. He didn't take away the razors. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> I'm taking away your belts, but not you're going to shave all you like. <laughs> didn't take away their razor blades. Excellent catch. No, I missed that one. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not really a question. It's like, I just, it was an observation, so no, I put it here. No, it's an observation. Like, I missed that one. <laughs> wait a minute. But then he's the killer, so, of course, he's not going to kill himself. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> maybe, maybe Doc was in on it all along, maybe. and he knew that Slater was safe yeah. to leave him with his he was, razors. He was going to tell somebody. That's why he got an axe to the gut. All right, so this one, I'm reluctant, but I've got to mention it. I am a huge Jeffrey Wright fan, but I've got to at least mention it. I wish I had not seen this movie to see him in this and the choice. You know, I I don't think there was much in terms of the script that any of these actors really got. So I, I think the script is bad. Yeah. But his performance, some of the choices, they're they're not good. I mean, he's trying at least. Out of all these guys, he's he's making choices. He's made choices. I can't <laughs> say I like the choices. And then I I really like Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. I I, I somewhat I disagree. See we find him in frosty his ass. I mean, I know that's in the script, but oh man. Yeah, the three most overrated things in the world he, he gives the list of. You know, I I think he is the most watchable thing in this movie. I kind of really? disagree. Oh, wow. at least he's tr- trying to do something with the material, unlike the rest of them, where there's just nothing going on. I'll accept your disagreement with it. I'm not sure you'd be able to convince me of that. Yeah, I, it, I, you know, at least he's taking risks. That's yeah. uh, I'll get you know I, I'll I, give I, you that. I, I'm not necessarily going to say it's a good performance, but it's a it's the performance where he's taking risks and making choices. Everyone else is very bland and flat. So that's fair. <laughs> I've got uh, I've got about two more. What, what <laughs> well, else have you got on well, the details? Speaking of his character. Jaworski or something like that is yeah. his name. Oh, uh, Jaws. That's all I could think of. Is like, is he an NFL analyst? Oh yeah. Is he? <laughs> I didn't is think about Ron Jaws. Jaworski up there. I forgot about Ron Jaworski. I, yeah, I didn't make the connection at all. But he he does have th- my favorite line in this movie. Okay. Where you know they get the guns out of the safe and they there's a little bit of like oh we don't trust each other who's the killer and so there's a moment where there's like a, a standoff between him and Robert Patrick's character <laughs> and. He's like, put the you know, Robert Patrick's put the gun down, you know, put it down. And uh, Jeffrey Wright says, "Mine shoots bullets too, MFR." <laughs> I just thought that was the funniest line. <laughs> mine shoots bullets too. I mean, it's the perfect thing to say in a standoff. Like, uh, why should I put mine down? You put yours mine down. Mine seems to work, yeah. right? Mine shoots bullets too was great. 
I think that's the only memorable line in this whole movie. Is There's not very many, it. that's for sure. All right, so one of my, my second to last one, I said, uh, appa- apparently there must have been an idea in the script at some point for there to be a monster involved. Because when we're out with the, you've got a couple of the maintenance, you got Tom Berenger and two others. When they're trying to shovel their way out, one guy, Gilbert, he's in the backseat not doing any of the shoveling, which I want his job. Yeah. Uh, he well, just he- takes off running from the Suburban. There's just a random growling noise. There is no, I, I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm telling you, I don't, that's unfair to the audience because that noise is 100% legitimate. Well, I think we're supposed to be in his head at that point. He's just scared, and the growl is like He's imagining things. It? Yeah. Well, because we skipped over to the detail of this. This facility started off as a military, like strategic air command base, and then once satellites became a thing, and that became obsolete, the military turned it into a, a military asylum, and that's what it was for thirty years before they sold it to Chris Christopherson. And some of these orderlies were former inmates at the military asylum, including that guy. Yeah. And, and including another guy who was another red herring. Of Joe, like, yes. I think it was Joe. He, he's yeah. the one that everybody, that's got to be who it is. <laughs> right. It was so obvious. It's like, it's not that guy. Yeah. And that guy was the villain in Avatar. So, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. The cigar chomping dude. You know that guy? Yeah. That's, that's, most, that's the only thing I recognize him from. But right. uh, yeah. So those two guys are supposed to be like former inmates at this oh. military asylum. So right, kind maybe. of strange guys and... I think that's what it's supposed to be. All right, fair enough. Something like that. All right, what else you got? I got one more. Uh, this is my last one. Um, I'm glad I brought up the fact that it was a military asylum because it annoyed me. They are essentially living in cells, right? It's it's a yeah. detox place, but it's set up like a prison, oh, like, like an asylum. And yet, every one of these cells is very easily escapable through gigantic vents. Not quite as gigantic as Escape Plan 2, but pretty big. It's not Hades, but yeah. not everything You is. can easily crawl through them. So... The military didn't take out these vents or somehow, you know, if this is a military asylum and every single, you know, cell yeah, is very easily escapable. You're right. That's not a very good design. It's, no. it's clear Warden Drumgool from Lockup no. would not be happy with this yes, place. He would have paid his debt to the state, not to Drumgool. <laughs> not to me. You're going to. No, that's, you're going that's to, right. Going you're going to. to. <laughs> All right. My last one. So there, there's a, when we're getting to the climactic, you know, ending where it, you know that Slater is is the killer. He he leads <laughs> he leads Malloy on a chase somehow with walkie talkies, and I just have these walkie talkies must be one the loudest in the world since Malloy is under he's underground in tunnels, literally hundreds of feet away right. from the one walkie talkie, and somehow he can hear and have a conversation. Every walkie-talkie I've ever seen, you have to press a button in some way, shape, or form yeah. to be able to talk. Somehow Slater has rigged it up that it is constantly talking, and Malloy somehow hears these walkie-talkies. Told, I, I definitely, it bothered me, too. It's the movie's biggest cheat. Because the oh. movie's trying to make you think that, uh, that Slater is like just around the corner, corner just talking to him. He's long gone. He's outside. <laughs> right. You come around the corner, and you oh, can't it's a hear walkie-talkie. the wind whipping either when he's having this conversation. It's a giant blizzard, and you don't hear any wind right. whipping Whatsoever. Maybe he's got, you know, he, he at some point he lost his voice <laughs> modulation box. Maybe or, he's got like a wind cancellation voice box. He had a different, you're right. It's got or different maybe, settings. Maybe the voice cancellation was broken, but it could muffle like the, yeah. the, the, the wind noise. Yeah, it's, it's a versatile tool, this voice modulation thing. Fair enough. Yeah, why, why did he Why did he lose the voice module? You'd think he'd brought it with him. He would have brought it with, you know, to. Hello, Sydney. You'd want that with right. you. I'm here to get you this time. 
Whatever Thank it is. you for your time. <laughs> that to me is actually the funniest line in this. Yeah, movie. you're right. That probably is the most memorable line. I can't believe I almost <laughs> forgot. Thank you for your time. Right. Are you ready for the devil's advocate? Sure. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. Uh, this is the segment of the show where we've come up with answers from items in the movie that we ask each other and try and answer. Yeah. You want to fire away first? Sure. My first question is, I mean, we touched on it a little bit, but the killer's motivation. We, we read his uh-huh. uh, manifesto at the beginning, but also, but then later we learn a slightly different motivation. Oh. That the reason why he doesn't like cops is because he originally, there was a, there was a serial killer killing prostitutes. And that Malloy, he had to stop doing it because Malloy was getting too close. That's right. So this is his motivation. His motivation is Malloy didn't catch him when he was killing prostitutes? Like, how does that make sense? Uh, no. So, all right. Here's, because this actually leads into my first question. Okay. So I'm going to try and answer yours and then maybe pull in mine. All right. So what I think that his, what I took away from that and his motivation was, is that he got too close to being caught. And his view was is that he was killing prostitutes, basically cleansing the world, making it a better place. But then he realized, no, 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 for me really to do it, I need to remove the police element. Because if the police element is removed, then all of the, you know, it'll basically be like Thunderdome. And that leads me into my question. Okay. It is preemptive, you're saying. Because yes. they didn't actually stop him from, from killing anybody. No. They never caught him. So it seems strange. Like, well, how does that make but sense? But I think okay. he was getting close. He was afraid he was going to get caught. All right, fair enough. So he, cha- he changed tactics and said, I'm targeting the wrong victims. Sure, okay. Okay. So, assuming that, that was what my killer's this thesis was, is that I need to remove the police. Right. Okay. I have this question for you. If that's an accurate thesis, if, if we just remove the police, not necessarily murder them, but let's say we outlawed police, law enforcement. Yeah. According to him, it would just be a cleansing and that it would basically be like the purge and it would be Thunderdome. Here's yeah. my question to him. Small towns have little to no police. I mean, Andy Griffith's show, right? So even smaller towns than that, there may be no police. According to him, then, it should just be the, the strongest completely wiping out the weakest. His thesis yeah. makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's it's he's obviously a crazy person. I know, but, but uh, that's my answer. Is he's just nuts? All right, fair. Um, well, he's very like you know, it doesn't seem that crazy when you meet him. He's very good at, at least at pretending like a normal person. Oh, like Slater, not, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's because it's because it's a who done it, and they can't make it that obvious. Sure. They, they want to misdirect you with Joe the orderly and whoever else. Yeah, but the movie would have been more interesting if you knew the whole time, and it's like. Little hints, you're seeing little hints or whatever that that guy is is not all there. So I have a question. Okay. <laughs> this guy has killed nine cops. Yes. Presumably all in the same city. I think that's implied. It's a, it lo- se- it it's seems a local like it s- uh, serial killer. Yeah. These cops are content to leave this case to the FBI. Why are they like, you FBI better... Why aren't the pol- local police trying to... Ca- this guy is a serial cop killer. The entire police force would be going door to door, kicking down doors. I think if there was a serial police. Killer? I think you're right. My only answer would be is then for, for the FBI to be truly involved, and in, I think not just advising. advising yeah. I, I think there would have to be an element where there were police from probably other states, other states for sure, 
but maybe other municipalities. So maybe it isn't completely localized, and that's why the FBI is involved. Okay. I still think you're right that they would be over the top and kicking indoors and not just be, you know, oh, yeah, the FBI's got it under under control. All they're doing is complaining, like, you gotta, you're got you not doing yeah. your job, Malloy. I, what, you know, you got to catch this guy. It's like, well, you guys do something. It's like, <laughs> you're the police. Investigate. All right, so I'm going to move to my next one. All right, and this, this has to do with the ring. I'm going to go back to it, the engagement ring. I want to know, did Malloy buy that ring at all, or did he just buy the toy monkey with the symbols? <laughs> that's right. Because that's, that's all real... you actually see. You never see the ring. Did the he new, buy it's it? It's the new language of love, monkeys. <laughs> with symbols. So did he buy the ring, or did he just buy the monkey? Well, the last shot of the movie is him leaving the ring behind. So yes, he bought yeah, the I ring. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's the, We see the ring. I forgot about that. He does. It's on a, I, yeah. You're right. It's the, that's what's on the necklace. I remember the necklace. I forgot the ring. So that was a dumb question. It's, 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 uh, no, I mean, it's, it's for, very forgettable because it's just like... It, it, that last shot of the movie, it's like, oh, right, his girlfriend who died. Like, it seems like a different movie. It you're, seems no, like no, a, you're, you're right, though. That, that one's answered. Um, all right. I'll, I'll go with this one. Cops or no? Why would any detox center allow them to bring their weapons? Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like it's a normal thing. They wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> if you're having to take away belts because you're afraid of people committing <laughs> right. suicide, you're going to have, I mean, I, th- th- actually, it's not a laughing matter at all. I mean, wh- one of the highest, um, the, the higher likelihood or propensity for people that are thinking about suicide, if there's a firearm in the house, statistically, yeah. it's far more likely because it's fairly permanent. It, or it's f- more successful, I guess, in terms of a, an attempt, that there's no way that if you think that in any way, shape, or form that the people who are attending this center w- might have suicidal thoughts, there's no way that there'd be firearms. On the I mean, I would have to assume all of these cops are on leave from their various jurisdictions. So, Well, they have you, their badge. I mean, you've got him. T- you've got Malloy turning in his badge. <laughs> right, his badge and his gun. But that, that should be happening at the precinct. Oh, we're sending yes. you to the center. Give them your badge and your gun to your captain, and then drive to the Wyoming or whatever. Agreed. <laughs> I just yeah, it was it was very strange. All right, so I've got one here, and this is going to get me so many uh, violations of the verbal morality statute, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. So when Slater is going through, you said he, and you're right, he is the one that going is going through and pointing out this. Here's who this cop is. Here's who this cop is. Right. This will give me the opportunity to highlight the one other female character, Detective Lopez, Lopez. from the LAPD. Okay. Here's what I want to I want to know. Does Slater assess that low cuz he just says LAPD, right? You, you don't get any backstory whatsoever. Right. That's her entire character. Yes. But does Slater assess that Lopez because he's gone around and I, I didn't get that he necessarily talked to all these people. I got that he like sized them up. Maybe. Did did he assess that Lopez is LAPD from her yelling fuck fuck fucking fuckers while just destroying a coffee machine. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. she, she is just destroying the coffee machine. That's the only time she ever gets to have any kind of character, and then uh, the rest of the movie she's as bland as possible. That so, is yes, a direct I, yeah. quote, by the way. I went back and made sure that I got it right, and I'm going to get all kinds of violations you're, of the verbal morality statute. You're making a lot of work for me. Is that I got to bleep. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty lax on some of the lesser curses. But, and uh, thank you for it, but I, I wanted it, because it is a quote. I mean, it's a quote from the movie. Sure. That's not yeah. just... Me being angry about a movie. Yeah, I do remember that. I mean, that's you know, it's like that scene in the wire, the entirety entirely made up out of. Uh, I forgot about that. That is one of the greatest scenes, one of the greatest shows of all time. Yes, and this is I see there is, you. Yeah, they're assessing a crime scene. <laughs> right, you're right. That is a great. And scene. she's assessing a coffee machine. So that's my question, though: Is it, did was Slater? Is there something in the LAPD's vocabulary that says 
she's LAPD. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. It's like, that's how an LAPD officer talks. All right. Uh, okay. Why did I put this in questions? I don't know, but I'll just read it. I did, this is not a question. I, bu- I must have put it in the wrong section, but I, I just wrote, that's all right. Rance Howard's fishing tips leave a lot to be desired. <laughs> and I wrote that because there's a, Charles S. Dutton's like, I thought, I thought I'd do some fishing. It's called the dead of winter. I meant ice fishing. Oh, in that case, you couldn't have picked a better time of year. <laughs> what an idiot. What a strange exchange. <laughs> that is great. Rance Howard, I, I always think of him in Chinatown. He's got a tiny, tiny part in Chinatown. Oh, I don't remember. He's like a, he's like a sheep rancher or something. And there, there's, like a, there's like the city council meeting where they're talking about redirecting the water. Yep. And he all comes right. in with all his sheep. What are you going to do about my sheep? And he's got like this whole like this flock of I sheep. I should with remember him. that. It's, it's a very, it's a one line part. But I always think of that when I think of Rance Howard. All right. So I've got a question here. So at some point in, you know, as the bodies are piling up, they determine we're going to search for this killer room to room. We're the police. We've got our weapons. We're going to search from room to room. Can right. I, this is a very important question to me. Maybe you can answer it. What kind of a plan is it to search from room to room for someone that almost certainly has to be one of the people staying at the place? <laughs> yeah. And, and they don't know who it is at this point. No. Like, so I going room to room, how are you going to uncover anything? <laughs> right. It's what are they going to find? They're going to find someone. Hello. I'm, it's me. That's my, thank good, you. Good I'm to see you. It is it, absolutely nonsensical plan what you need to do is you need to be uncovering like who among us isn't who they say they are doing a room-to-room search like swat doesn't make any sense and it's even worse when they go down to the basement and it's like i heard some noises let's split up like in the classic horror movie cliche let's split up and uh yeah because how do they split up because because um robert patrick goes off by himself and slater goes and kills somebody does he kill uh nick from yes action hero yeah i think so yeah, there's three of them, and and I think Slater's the one who suggested let's split up. And shouldn't they be like, well, you are obviously the killer. Yeah, you would like you're to the split one that's us trying up. to divide us up. Exactly. So you can get me alone and murder me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. all right. The, the so tactics no- of these cops. I mean, they probably shouldn't. Hopefully, well, I mean, not all of them die. A good number of them survive. So it's like hopefully they get clean and then never are on the police force again. Regardless of you know their 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 substance abuse issues, they're bad cops. They're just they're when just not plan, smart people. Yes, this plan is nonsense. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I only have one more question. So if you've got more, just rattle them out. Just all right, I, I've got a couple. All right, so I'm I got like two, three, three more. I think. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm almost done. All right, so my question here's another one I had. So, Doc, played by Chris Christopherson, he has files on all of the patients. Yeah. Shouldn't he have known Slater really wasn't Slater? Well... Is there no pictures whatsoever? I, either there's no pictures or you're expected to come in with your own file. So, here's my, here's my paperwork. I brought this in from the precinct. This is, this is my uh, police record. I'm not record. sure about that because wouldn't, wouldn't Christopherson want to go through and make sure that he, he's okay accepting you know whatever issues that that this particular officer has. I, I, ideally, obviously, uh, he, he should have. He should have done more research because yes, you'd think you'd need to like present a picture ID at the very least. Thank you. Which, right there is uh, you know a That's stopping my, point. Yes, there's no way that Slater can, who's portraying himself as Slater, he can't prove he's Slater because he will have nothing. He won't have a badge. He, well, badges don't have photos on them usually, right? The or, FBI, I think the FBI's do. The FBI's do, but, uh, but no, Slater, for the pol- London police yes, probably the, not. A Bobby probably does right. not have a picture. But yeah, you would think, hey, bring bring an ID, bring a driver's license, or bring some kind of photo ID. Yes. Chris Christopherson has obviously not thought this through. All right. I want to know, is Slater 
a magician and not Nick the magician from Last Action Hero. <laughs> right. Because in that scene with Nick and it's I've got here Noah, that's Robert Patrick's character. Right. Slater, you cut away from him, all of a sudden he has a noose to hang up Slater. Oh yes. Uh, to hang up Noah. Yeah. I mean out of Noah. <laughs> a perfectly tied noose. It looks like it looks like a prop from the clue board game. It's yes. so perfectly tied. And then ultimately is what he uses on Noah, and that's also then the misdirection with the walkie talkies, because it's really Noah there. It's right. not where did that noose come from? He was came prepared. He's got that in his back pocket, you know, he had yeah, that's an answer he can't answer, folks. No, Nobody can because it's it's movie magic. It's not like he's carrying a bag or something, and no. it's like some something he could have hidden a it's noose. Rope. In. Yeah, I mean it's one thing you know if you can explain away like somebody's got a knife or something and you couldn't see. There's plenty. Not a noose. You yeah. can't explain that. And it, Did you make a movie mistake? <laughs> you forgot about the noose. I mean, where is that coming from? Right. That part didn't occur to me because I was so distracted by how perfectly tied the noose is. <laughs> It's like he spends time. He's very carefully, you know, got to make sure this doesn't slip. Slater must have been in the Boy Scouts or the Navy to sure, be able to yeah. tie perfectly like that. I'm sure they teach you how to tighten noose in the <laughs> Navy. It's like, I mean, whatever. A knot to knot, I guess. Yeah. All right. What's your last one? And then I'll do my last one. All right. How many people do you think that snow cat fits that the rescuers show up at the end? Because I will tell you how many people survived, and it's nine. Hold on. So here's my question. We may have we may be on like a standoff with our last questions because here's my last question. Hold on. I'll hold that thought. I'll try and answer it. All right. But here's my question. Did Malloy Hendricks, who is Charles S. Dutton, yeah, and Jenny, did they just leave the other sli- surviving police to freeze to death when they walk away? It does seem like they did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we both we both had kind of the flip side of the same thought. Yeah. I they left the rest of them to freeze to death. It's not clear what direction they're walking. They're just kind of walking in a random direction at the so end. So Stallone like, does hang up the ring, you're right, so they answer mine, and they're yeah. just walking off. I think they're walking to go get the snow kit. Mm-hmm. I think they leave um, uh, Lopez, the LAPD. I, yeah, I've got the list okay, of survivors. give me the list. Jeffrey Rice survives. So in Malloy, Jenny, Charles S. Dutton, Rance Howard, those are the four we see at the end. I think they're in the snowcat and they take off. I, I, I think that's all that fits in there. Also, well, they already found uh, um, Gilbert the Orderly, the guy who heard growling and ran off. They, yes. find, they find him in the snow. So he's already in the snowcat. He's like waiting there. So there's right. five. And then in the facility, you've got Reverend Jones... Which we didn't uh, talk we, about at we all. We never brought him up once. <laughs> Played uh, by Courtney Vance. Yeah. I think he's a Zeus of the movie by default. If we never discussed him, he is a Zeus of the movie. And at one point, like someone accuses him of being the killer because Be- he drew a cross. Yeah, because he got he had died, and apparently Reverend Jones. He's somehow a police officer, and or he was a former police officer, and now is like embraced religion. I don't know, whatever. But yeah, he draws a cross. But I think it's just because he was like giving him his last rites or whatever. Yeah, totally. And someone's like, "Oh, you drew that mumbo jumbo," and it's like, "What?" So oh. you drew under the eyelids. What? Oh, I guess that's okay. what I think that they were that's leaping a, to. Yeah, you want to talk about a giant leap? Yeah, that's a stretch. I didn't even. It's such a stretch and never. I didn't connect no. it. Uh, sorry, but go. Cool. Yeah, Courtney Vance. Sorry, yeah, Courtney Vance. <laughs> literally the first time we brought him up, we've been talking to us, however long. Um, yeah, Lopez Jaworski, uh, um, uh, Jeffrey Rice Jeffrey character. Rice character. Yep. Uh, that older guy who was dying from the DTs, and so she's giving him like sips of uh, yeah, alcohol. You're right. Yes, Boy. presume he survived. Yeah. So and and then Gilbert, the guy who's the, the orderly. So there's your nine. I think those other police. I think they. I think they left them to freeze to death. <laughs> I think so because they're not going to fit in that snowcat. I think we're we're in agreement. We, and the suburban is trash because Behringer just 
freighted at 50 miles an hour off he, the road. He drove it off a, a, a cliff, basically. Yeah. Even though they're, it seems like they're at, like, it doesn't seem like it's that mountainous. I know it's Wyoming, and, it's, you know, Wyoming is inherently kind of hilly and rocky, but um, yeah, the, the area around the facility doesn't look like there would be, like, cliffs and, like, steep drops. I agree with you, but I think this is the perfect way to end because I think we both got to the same conclusion. Yeah. They left those cops to freeze to death. The movie forgets about all of them. I mean, Lopez, like all those characters, Jaworski, it's like, it's not like they get any kind of conclusion to any of their stories. No, not at all. It's not like they I show up. I think the up. conclusion we just reached, they froze to death. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they could have just showed up at the end of the fight. We, we never really talked about the fight between Stallone and, and the villain. Hold on. I just got this great image in my head. I would love a post credit scene like the movie Airplane where the guy in the taxi is just waiting. I would sure. love like a post credit scene. Um, all right, we're going to give them another three minutes, but that's it. I think it's actually ten minutes in the movie Airplane. Yeah. I, I was going to say they could have just shown up and seen Stallone having killed uh, um, Slater. Slater and been like, Stallone, you're the killer. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> and then just open yeah, fire just on him. him. Yeah, do like the Night of the Living Dead ending. <laughs> um, yeah, they could have done something. And it's just literally the movie forgets about him. Like multiple characters. A lot of characters die and then a lot of characters survive and are forgotten. They may as well have died. I'm pretty sure they did die because they froze to death. Yeah. I, that, uh, let's go with that. All right. You ready? Sure. Well, no, but yes. Both of y'all. Yes. Because this is a segment where usually I take a, a deep dive into some tangential piece of internet trivia. That the Silk Cozart. I, the Silk Cozart Corner. Uh, I did nothing for this episode. I was just didn't have a lot of time to research. Nothing sparked my interest. Not, this movie is absolute like absence of creativity it's just nothing grabbed my fancy although i know you wanted to look into myth i did a little bit can I, i'll just i'll cover what i i went down a little bit of a rabbit hole but there wasn't much unfortunately okay. i've got his imdb biography up if you want to read oh, that f- fire away because actually that the, so for backstory again i don't think anybody that's listening to this this is going to be their first episode but in backstory is that some of how this started was that you, for whatever reason, had looked up Silk Cozart's IMDb profile when we were working on Eraser. I think I just happened to look at it. Yeah, maybe randomly. Yeah. And the the bio was just outstandingly interesting in terms of what was written. It was self-aggrandizing. That's the thing. is, I am I, pretty confident that Silk Cozart wrote his own IMDb biography just the way it was written. Myth's biography, while it's just as much puffery as oh, it's a lot Silk of Cozart, it does say it was written by Media International Freelance, which I imagine is like some kind of you know, it's I, management company. I tried or something. looking into it. I think it might be a management company owned by Myth. I'm telling <laughs> you. Oh wait, MIF Media International Freelance. Holy crap! We've this is more of a mystery than the movie. <laughs> this is more of a by Jove, you know, Watson. We've solved it. <laughs> He's just crazy. Yeah, who wrote Myth's? Who wrote Myth's inter- IMDb bio? It's Media International Freelance. Holy crap! I didn't even realize that that spelled out myth. I gotta tell you right now, this made it totally <laughs> worthwhile yeah. doing this episode. I agree because his name is—he's uh, credited as Myth M I F. Yes, his real name is Anthony J. Mifsud. Um, he's six foot one. In case you care, according to IMDb. Come so on, do you, do you have it? Do you want me to read it? I have it, but you read the especially the opening intro is just over the top. 
Yeah, I mean, now, now I think this was written by Mif just based on MIF, so I, this is, is more enjoyable now. Born on the island of Malta and raised in Toronto, Anthony J. Mifsud, or Mif, as he has become professionally known internationally, is a genuine Renaissance, Renaissance man whose multifaceted talents are as evident as his various achievements. He's, a, he's achieved more in terms of uh, entertainment culture than I certainly ever have or we have with this podcast. I'm not sure I agree with... Various achievements. Various achievements. I mean, that's vague enough. I, I have various achievements. <laughs> I will say, I, I at least was familiar with Silk Cozart. I may not have known his name before we did that podcast, yeah. but I recognize, oh, that guy, I know that guy. I've seen him. Yeah. You know, we talked about him. Like, oh, I recognize him from White Man Can't, Can't Jump. jump. Yeah. Um, I did not recognize Meph. <laughs> no. He, this he, guy, gets, <laughs> he gets a lot of screen time, too, and for I'm not sure why. Friends with the director? Who knows? It must be, because it's like, how did he get in this movie? I mean, I guess he's an actor. But I was going to say, like, if we, if we gave Silk Cozart a hard time for his, his bio, even though he is more famous than Miff by, like, leaps and bounds, you know, not particularly famous, well, but way more famous than Miff. What about Slash Puppet? Yes, let's talk about Slash Puppet. Myth's first claim to fame came as the dynamic frontman. Dynamic frontman. Not too dynamic in this movie, that's for sure. An award-winning vocalist for the internationally renowned Canadian musical group and recording artist Slash Puppet, 1989-1995. Award-winning, but it doesn't say which awards. I looked it up, um, but I I, I didn't actually ultimately. That's real? They actually won awards? Okay. Yeah, but it was it was some it was a Canadian award and I, I don't think it was the Grammys of Canada either. So Okay. Uh as an integral member of the popular rock band, not that popular, I'd never heard of him. He was able to hone his skills and confidence as a performer, enabling him to become accomplished and legitimate force on the Canadian music scene. Miff released two records internationally with Slash Puppet. Self-titled Slash Puppet in 1993, and a more recently, t- more recently, a 2007 reissue of the band's critically acclaimed 1989 independent release, The Demo, entitled No Strings Attached. It's just a re-release of a demo they did. <laughs> That's not an album. It's a demo. Uh, anyway, any- anything else? You want to skip ahead to his acting credits? You, the acting credits, but the only thing I will add is that for whatever reason, when I saw Slash Puppet, for some reason... I could not get out of my head was Love Fist from uh, the Grand Theft Auto oh, yeah. series, and I'm not sure why it was. When I looked at like their their getup, it was not. It didn't. It's in that ballpark. I watched one music video. And it's like, close, oh, but I, I don't. For some reason, I, Love Fist, Love Fist is all I could think <laughs> right. of with Slash Puppet. I mean, 1989 to 1995 is way too late for Wait, the type that, of music they were making. These, yes. these guys are like Poison esque. Yes. You know, they're they're rat-esque. Uh, Rat and roller, pay the toll. <laughs> I thought we were quiet riot. Says he were rat. Says he were rat. Yeah, Slash Puppet seems like that band. Right in the wheelhouse. All right. So, yeah, let's get to him being a well-rounded and truly versatile entertainer. Uh, sure, okay. A well-rounded and truly versatile entertainer. Myth is also an accomplished actor, 1995 to present who has appeared in both nationally and internationally in numerous film and television productions, cast alongside some of the biggest names in show business. Wait right Clear, there. Clearly equal billing with Sylvester Stallone in this movie. Clearly equal billing, and each one of these entries is probably what each one of these actors want to say, I do not want to be associated <laughs> yes, with this movie. That's absolutely true. Myth is the curse on every one of these actors' filmographies. Uh, movie credits include such films as Just Business, Gina Gershon, Foolproof, Ryan Reynolds, ICU, Sylvester Stallone. Interesting they went with ICU and not Detox. They made a decision on which title to use. Detention, Dolph Lundgren, 
Gossip, Kate Hudson, and Dirty Work, Norm MacDonald. <laughs> Saving that for last. I did like that there was a Norm MacDonald reference in this one. Oh, I, this is the part I did when I read this jumped out at me. On television, Miff is, be, is being featured in the recurring character of the Greek delivery man in the third and final season of the Netflix. <laughs> is that possible to be? I haven't seen the show because maybe it could be. But I've never seen something where if you're a recurring character, right. you don't have a name. <laughs> no name. How many of these roles do you think Miff had a name? His character had a name. He did have a name in this movie, but it was like thrown away, not even mentioned. He's the first one to die, right? Uh, he's not the first one to die in this facility. I mean, no, obviously, there's the opening twenty something minutes. No, he's no, because he's not the first one. Because the first oh, you're one, right. It's it's young Indiana Jones. He's the first one to die. Yeah, uh, from uh, Boondock Saints, uh, Sean Patrick Flannery. He'll always be young Indiana Jones to All me. Right, but fair yes. enough. Uh, I, yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, yeah so he, he hangs himself under the sink like a foot yeah, with from like the a ground sheet or whatever. Yes, I don't even know if that's possible, but maybe. I don't. Where, where'd we leave off? No. Oh, dirty work. Yeah. So now we've got TV. Oh. TV Hemlock <laughs> yeah. Grove. Sorry, Greek delivery man. Right. Uh, okay. The rest of the stuff really wasn't that interesting in there. Yeah. The the phrase Friday the Thirteenth jumped out. I was like, oh, was he on Friday the Thirteenth? No. His, his Disney TV show debuted on Friday the Thirteenth yes. of February. Why did he specify? You had to make sure we knew it was a Friday the 13th. Hey, I like that you just have other notable guest starring appearances on uh, primetime TV. Oh, yeah. Go but ahead. I, honestly, I've, I think I've only seen one of these TV shows. I know, some of, I know one of the other ones, but I've only seen one. Warehouse 13, no clue. Queer as Folk, I've heard of. Never seen an episode. Hmm. This is Wonderland, no clue. John Woo's Once a Thief? No. No, never heard of any of them. Due South, I actually do know. And ironically enough, there is a Canadian Mounted Police in that. It was a cop procedural where a Canadian Mountie who was as straight as an arrow got teamed up with a Chicago cop, you know, like an Italian, not corrupt, but, you know, like streetwise, sure. uh, like Jim Belushi in uh, Red Heat. Yeah, so okay. it was actually, you know what? It was like Canadian Red Heat. That's what that <laughs> show was. Russian, he was Canadian? Yeah, but anybody was just straight-laced and, yeah. you know, wanted to do everything by the book and the, you know, the Chicago cop, well, I'm not going to get anything done if I do everything by the book. Right. So I've at least, no, and that was only because my mom watched that show and that was, I don't know, the mid-90s or, or late-90s. Okay, I've never heard of that. The only one I've heard of on this list is Queer as Folk, otherwise I've never heard of any of these. PSI Factor, don't know. FX, oh. the series, I'm like, isn't that a network? That's a TV show? I assume that's a spinoff of FX, the movie, which is about a oh. like makeup guy who does makeup and then is a killer or something. I don't even remember. I forget what that movie's about. I have heard of Kung Fu: The Legend Continues. Yeah, that I've seen. You've seen the Legend. That's the Continues? only one of these I've I've watched. Okay. I mean, I, I watched it occasionally when it was on. It was not a good show. Uh, and and then, know, David Carradine's good. And then Relic Hunter, no clue. So I, I mean, if you're going to give me that, there's. <laughs> Notable guest star. I mean, these should be shows that people would recognize. <laughs> I'm sure they were not notable. They were notable by myth standards, but I'm sure he's just like, you know, he, he's a guy. He's like a Starbucks barista. I'm telling your you. coffee, sir. You know, and then Dave, you mean, wait, <laughs> David Carradine walks off with his coffee. Greek delivery man. You mean he's Starbucks bar- barista man? <laughs> sure. Well, I, but that's probably not a recurring character, unlike the Greek delivery man. I'm telling you right now, just for the revelation that we think, he did Silk Co's Art 1 better than he made up of, of what sounds like a manage, a legit management company to write this. Yeah. I think that was worth doing this segment. He's at least trying to cover his tracks. Yes. Silk Co's Art was just submitted by Anonymous. It's like, all right, come on, Silk. No, nobody's going to this trouble except you. Yeah, which is also probably true for Miff. Anyway, he also uh, he also was a writer, I think. That's, we oh, should I end on that. I didn't know that. Um. He has writing and editorial credits, in, 
which include several local sport publications, as well as such national magazines as Fresh, Canadian Musicians, M-E-A-T Magazine, Inside Soccer, and the Soccer News. Wow. All right. Well, I wonder he, what Meat Magazine is. M E A T Magazine. He is a Renaissance man. Apparently, he is. Uh, he's so Renaissance, we've never heard of him. He's a master of none. He he he. Jack of all himself, trades, master so of none. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that, for what it's worth. That's our South Coast Sorry, I just whatever. Right. This this is. I don't care about this movie. So. Well, the episode is suffering, but what are you going to do? All right, so you ready to uh, get to while we're here? Oh, yeah. This movie, we only killed 48 people compared to the last one where we killed 119. <laughs> I'm so done talking about this movie, I put my notes away. Like, oh, <laughs> I right. saw you doing that. I'm like, wait a minute, this is actually like the most important Yeah, part. we need to cover this. So this is uh, where we compare Arnold Schwarzenegger's body count to Sylvester Stallone's. Arnold had an average body count of 14.76. Sylvester Stallone, once again, has a body count of exactly one, which... Is becoming a trend. This is it is really second one in a row after uh, after uh, fist and uh, fifth time overall. He only he had exactly one. So uh, I'm curious how many more times this is going to happen. So this is now across 32 movies, giving him an average body count of 11.09. So slipping a little bit, but again, we're also going to compare total body counts Arnold's versus what Stallone's on pace for. So Arnold finished with a total career body count of 546. And Sylvester Stallone is currently on pace to hit 577. So on that metric, he's still he's looking good. Yeah, there are, there are 13 total body count in the movie. All 12. The red, the other ones are all the killer. Yep. He calls himself Common Denominator in the opening nine one one call. It's like call me Common Denominator. So I was I I, I wrote down Common Denominator as the killer instead of Slater. Yeah, because oh no, as, as the killer, I got you. Well, because Slater's not technically his name. We never learned the real the killer's real name. Not that it matters. Uh, okay, so All let's right. move on to giving okay. an award. Yep, only because we have to. Outstanding achievement. I was saying the only reason an award is being given is because we have to. Sure. It's like Miff's award, you know? Uh, so we got to give this to somebody. Pretty much. I feel like almost I should have given it to Miff. Um, I, I went with Stallone, and it's mainly because somehow he got through the line, I see you, you see this, and body slams the killer on a car combine. Yeah, it's like a thresher maw or something. We did I'm, not talk about that fight at all because it's yeah, so dull. It's dull, but I'm also not sure why that combine is there. If this was, this is like a military, you know, converted military silo and uh, strategic defense, and then turned into some sort of mental institution. And now a de- why is there a combine <laughs> in a shed? But and whatever, a, like a bunch of axes and like like. Like, like scythes in there, all yeah. kinds of equipment. It, I guess they're doing farming in the summer. Apparently, yes, you're farming in this area of Montana. <laughs> we did skip over also that like slamming the villain down on those spikes on his stomach is not lethal, but he's got to flip him over and do it again. I see you. Ah, you see this. <laughs> you know what that actually reminds me of is remember the wrestler Kamala. Yeah, he would pin guys face down, and then his manager had to be like, "No, flip him over." Ooh. You know, so it's like Stallone here. He puts him the wrong way. Nope, that's not fatal. I got to pick him up again and flip him. Finish him. <laughs> it is actually very Mortal Combat that death yes. slamming him on a bunch of who, like, sharp farming instruments. Who was uh, your reluctant? I'm going to assume Wrecking Crew Award so just I, to have to give it to somebody. I'm going to take a page out of kind of your playbook. Uh-oh. When it comes to Wrecking Crew Awards, it's something you've done in the past, and so now I'm going to do it. 
I'm giving the Wrecking Crew Award to Ron Howard for stepping aside and not directing this movie. <laughs> excellent choice and excellent move. That that really is a baller move by Ron Howard. Yeah, getting out while the getting's good. He saw a stinker when he saw, you know, he 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 smelled it coming. Opie Op- Taylor, he's 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 a wise man. That guy's made some bad movies to also, but there's no way. At least he's competent. And he wouldn't have been this bad. No. So, uh yeah, that's, right. I'm giving it to him. All right. All right, let's write the movie. <laughs> Punching car accident victim. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad mouthing my film. Oh, I love that I've finally seen this now. This is the segment of the show where we rate the movie based on Sylvester Stallone uh, opponents in the Rocky franchise, from the worst being Spider Rico all the way up to Apollo Creed. I think this is an, was a very easy one for me, and I hope we are aligned on this one. I, I'm tempted to change mine. Oh my god! It, this is a Spider Rico. There's no redemption in this movie. I gave it a Tommy Gunn initially because it's it's not like you are like I said at the beginning. Me. I didn't hate it, but it's as we talked through it. Like I, I don't think. Oh, thank you. I, I don't think there's a single positive thing that we even talked about. Other I mean, than there's like, a few. There's a this few. gun's got bullets too, mf'er. And like, thank you for your time. <laughs> none, none of the things we talked about that are positive are actually genuinely positive. It's oh, all we're, it's ironic. We're, we're we're laughing at the movie, yes. not laughing with it. Oh. Um, you're right. This is a Spider Rico. It's absolutely. You know, I think it's just because how could you I, I think was, that I was a movie hit- that a production company wants to abandon? Yes. I was hypnotized because it like is a big budget. You know, it's it's got a great cast. It does it's got good production values? It looks like a real movie. It's you know, it's got like s- Blizzard sequences, and it's you know, it's a it's got a budget to it. It looks- cardboard headstones are not tipping over. No, I mean, I think I think I was just kind of fooled by the the production value of it. And, uh, yeah, there's nothing literally nothing on the inside. <laughs> there's little, literally nothing redeeming about this movie. I mean, I can't even think of a positive thing to say about it. I was coming into this going like, that was bad, but it was just mostly just boring. After discussing it, this might be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> Thank you. It is. Yeah, so it has to be a Spider Rico. So All right, I'm, well, change, I'm changing my vote. Now we get to the point in the show where you save the show from my picks. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm always picking the trash. And it's because I'm trying to get things for free on Pluto TV. Yeah, exactly. When when your when your decision making is driven by you know personal convenience, <laughs> you're gonna. Of, of course, these movies are available for free. There's a reason why they're available for free. Nobody wants to watch. Yeah, them. Who's renting these? But here's the thing: I always defend myself in these conversations because we are committed to covering every one of these. Oh, so of at course. some point in time, it would have need to be done anyway. Yeah, it's it's on the list where we had to cover it, so it's done. This All is right. just one of those. This is like uh, the villain or something, or yeah. like uh, uh, what was. Uh, I think I enjoyed the villain more than this, but whatever. Yeah, I was. Or what's the what was the movie with the plane crash? The Arnold movie, um, Aftermath. Aftermath. Yeah, it's like one of those where it's just like, ugh, like this movie is sucked. Anyway, all yeah, right. So where I, are you taking? This? I'm trying to. I'm going to try and get us a pick me up after this. So this is a, a Stallone classic among some people, but it's not like one of his characters that he's like really remembered for all right but it's definitely a cult following and i would consider myself a part of this cult oh okay uh it's a movie i haven't watched in a long time though so it's possible that i'm wrong and this movie does not hold up but it's a movie i really liked in college it is from the primetime action category all right and it is not cliffhanger it is cobra oh all right so we get to see the adventures of marion cobretti a cobra all right i'm very excited because this also aligns with my policy of uh, I don't have to pay for it because I bought a sweet three-pack DVD that had the Specialist, Cobra, 
And something that we covered that I needed to buy. I don't remember what it was. The third movie we've already covered. Was it Assassins? It might have been Assassins. It sounds yes. like it, what the pack yeah. would be. I think I, yeah, you're right. I bought it for Assassins. You're right, because we've covered Assassins. Now I get to use it for the last entry, Cobra. Well, I, I think, well, I, I ended up really liking The Specialist. But uh, so I, I'd be curious to see if I still like Cobra as much as I did. The one thing I will say in Cobra's favor, I think it's the Stallone movie that feels the most like a mid 80s Arnold movie. It feels like. Like a raw deal or something. It's like a gr- gritty, like B movie. It's probably it's maybe the most B movie Stallone ever did because he was obviously a big star from the beginning since Rocky. Right, he hit the ground running. He didn't do a lot of like lower budget kind of uh, schlockier things, which I think is stuff Other that we tend to like. Death Race kind of has that. right, but that was before he was famous. Like right. once he became famous, it's all pretty glossy. And this is like maybe the grimiest movie he's ever in. Or right. Just I, I, I think I'm hoping it holds up. Well, we'll see. I haven't watched it in 15 years. In some, I'm looking forward to it for a, a couple of reasons, not only just because I have it, um, but I will admit I'm a little disappointed of having to put off Cliffhanger until the final season because I'm looking forward to the Cliffhanger. Yeah, I, I am too. That's another one I haven't watched in at least 15 years, but I think that's one that, to save. Like That's a, that's a good... It, I, I, you're probably right because the fourth, the, our final season, it always did have where we didn't have any stuff to look forward to. I now know I'll have something to look forward to in season four. And mentally, I associate Cliffhanger and Demolition Man like they they they're similar. It's a from, good bookend from yeah. a similar period. So yeah, if we save Cliffhanger to near the end, I think that you're makes some right. sense. Yeah. But uh, it's not going to be Cliffhanger. It's going to be Cobra next episode, which yeah. I'm looking forward Cobra. to. All right, so. With that, we will end the show. And if you've enjoyed the show, this is probably a tough episode, but hopefully you did. You can like us on your podcast app of choice or write us a favorable review. Those are always appreciated. Look, we had to watch this movie. What do you want from us? Yeah. Like This podcast you know is what? free. Much much like uh, these movies, much like ICU, you can listen to this podcast for free. So, if, uh, And if you're unhappy with any of the pricing being free right. or the content, let us know at, at Arms Race Podcast on Twitter. And see, see the podcast bursar for a full refund, as uh, <laughs> Paul Afghan Tompkins once said. Uh, yeah, and if uh, you like the show and uh, you think other people would like the show, tell someone about the show. This is one maybe now that's two of them, too. I think it's clear. Yeah. We, I think we had some good... We, we, we had a good conversation. We made it through much better than... Uh, there was more to talk about than I thought. But yeah. I had a little concern, but I think we made it through pretty well. Yeah. So right. we'll be back with Cobra. There's a tear in my beard Cause I'm crying